Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net. www.lamarzuli.net. These are the Days of Chaos. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
All right, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Monday, January 11, 2016. It's about six and a half minutes after noon Pacific time, if that's when it is where you're at. We are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. That'll get you on the air. You can also participate in the show or just, uh, you know, chat with other folks in the chat room. Uh, a couple ways you can get there. You can uh, you can go directly there, chat.americanvoiceradio.com. Uh, chat you can also go to the, uh, the new main page, which if you go to americanvoiceradio.com, that's where you'll end up and you can see the link over on the side that says old chat room that'll get you there or you could go to theamericanvoice.com and do what you always did because that still brings up the old page and uh, that's how you do it once you get to any of these things you'll see the chat link and uh, you know click it go in and there you have it can also contact me directly using Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Chat. No, Talk. AVRN Talk. Oops. Yeah, that's Yahoo Instant Messenger. Put in AVRN Talk and you will... I don't know where that goes exactly in Yahoo, but you'll get to me if you do. All right, so that's all the different ways there. You go to the website, you'll see email and all kinds of other stuff, but... uh. Those are the best ways I just gave you. And uh, the new website is still a work in progress. I'm, uh, you know, constantly looking to see what exactly uh, is available, you know, to put on there. Anyhow, uh, you know, somebody in the chat room just uh, posted a link. I didn't go to look at the link, but it says expect taxes, uh, tax rates to soar in 15 years when the millennials have the majority vote. They'll be broke and will vote themselves more entitlement programs. Well, you know what? 15 years from now, I don't see this uh, federal government lasting 15 more years at the track it's on. Not in its present form. And not anything that's going to be around to give anybody entitlements in 15 years. So, you know, these are these are worries that, you know, I, I'd be more worried with, well, yeah, these little morons, worthless little individuals who, you know, really are too dumb and, and fragile to live. You know, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are they just going to die? Because that's what's going to happen. They are going to die. Because there aren't going to be any entitlements for them. There aren't going to be any jobs for them. They have no skills to be able to survive without a handout. So what's going to happen to them? Same thing that's going to happen to the black community. What happens when the welfare checks stop? What happens when the food stamp program stops? What happens when HUD folds up? What happens now, sure, they can still squat in their apartments, but how long is that going to last? Nobody to come around to change your light bulbs for you. Nobody to come and unclog your uh, stupid drains for you because you're too dumb to do anything yourself. What's going to happen then? Do you really think 
the ghetto dwellers living in the projects are going to say, well, in that case, I guess if the government's gone, we all own a share in this apartment building, and we have a responsibility to maintain it ourselves. Let's get, pull up our bootstraps and do that. You think that's going to happen? Really? I don't think that's going to happen. Listen, folks, instead of worrying about, you know, how much your taxes are going to be in 15 years, you better start worrying about what you're going to be doing in two years. You better start wondering, hmm, how much water do I have put away? How much food do I have put away? How much ammo do I have for the weapons that I have? And you better have weapons, folks, and you better get imaginative, too. Because nothing lasts forever. Not ammo, not guns, not nothing. But there's lots of other ways to defend yourself other than a firearm. But, you know, if people can worry about what they want to worry about, but you better worry about getting prepared. You can't help those people. And the least of your worries is going to be your tax burden. Now, right now, uh, that's probably a big worry for a lot of people. I mean, I know people are actually sitting here going, well, you know, I got all this money in an IRA or a retirement, whatever. And, and you know, boy, I, I feel uncomfortable about it because, you know, the whole economy looks like it's about to crash and burn. And, you know, my paper money is losing value every single day. I'd like to get it out of there and, and, and get something tangible, but well, I don't want to pay the 20% penalty. Hey, I don't blame you. You know, nobody wants to pay a 20% penalty. You know, oh, oh, it's my money, but I want it back, so I have to pay 20% to you because, oh, I'm not, what, 65 yet? Well... That does kind of stink, but you know what? Losing 20, 20% is a whole lot better than losing like 90%. And that's what's going to end up happening one way or another. Either they are going to straight out just take your retirement and say, well, you know, the bank was in trouble and we used everybody's uh, deposits for a bail-in. Thanks so much for the help. Now the bank is flush again, and the president in the bank is still making his, you know, $900,000 a year, and all the stockholders got paid, and aren't you happy that you helped us out? Now, that's too bad about your retirement that you don't have anything left because we took it all from you. But, hey, hey, at least the bank survived, huh? And that's what's important, isn't it? They could do that. They've got the laws on the books to do that, so don't act like they won't do it. They are doing it. Uh, Europe, Britain is doing it right now. But that might not be what they do. You might just sit there and watch your paper money lose 20, 30, 50, 80% of its buying power. Okay? That could happen without anybody doing anything. Huh? And, uh, you know, of course, the person in the chat room thinks that 
worrying about what taxes are going to be like in 15 years as part of preparing. And hey, you know what, folks, whatever it takes you to get motivated to prepare, I don't care. Think about your taxes in 15 years if you'd like. Uh, if that gets you motivated to prepare, then great. I'm all for it. But he also says, uh, you know, I bought more ammo and I can do both. Well, yeah, that's great. Some people have money. They can do both. And folks, if you've got resources, man, you better start doing something with it. And if you've got, um, you can argue till you're blue in the face with me, but if you have any investments in paper right now, you're going to lose them all. And if that's okay with you, then that's okay with me. Because again, you know, I don't care if people want to gamble, just gamble with money you can afford to lose. Because then, you know, eh, it stinks to lose. Nobody likes to lose. But you don't get really hurt bad then. Right? So just gamble with money you can afford to lose. Because you're going to lose it. Now, let's get to things and stuff. Because, boy. Oh, let's see here. Oh, I suppose I can, uh, you know, go with this. This is another one of these... Uh, kind of takeoffs on uh, the thing they used to do on the Tonight Show. You know, send somebody out onto the streets to ask uh, the general population, you know, crazy questions and see how stupid everybody really is. Um, this was in San Diego. Um, to see how many Americans would mindlessly follow his orders and hand over personal details without question if he assumed a position of authority. Uh, he, uh, this guy approached random people with no explanation other than it's a new program. Asked for a list of personal information, including their name, address, birth date, where they bank, and so on. The results were shocking. Nervously handling a football, one guy immediately and without question gave him all his personal information and even spelled out his address for him. The guy only questioned him when he asked for his social security number. The final field on the entry form. He claimed he was gathering data for some programs, prompting the man to claim he did not feel comfortable giving out that information after he'd already given him everything he would need to be a criminal or an identity theft uh, thief. Uh, then he asked a uh, second uh, second man asked him what's the information for. He says for some new programs we're working on. The man then burled his head in a smartphone uh, while reeling off his personal information. When a third man attempted to hide in his iPhone, the man snapped. Can you turn that off? Prompting the guy to reply, yeah, I'm sorry, and fell in the line, reeling off his personal information. You know, how dumb is everybody, folks? You know, where, what happened to the America where the first question is, who the hell do you think you are? When did you start thinking you're the boss of me? Beat it, punk. What what happened to that America? What happened to those Americans? Where are they? 
You know, we worry about, oh, gosh, the Muslims are coming. The Mexicans are coming. Oh, my, we're being overrun. You know what? I'm starting to realize that's not our problem. So what? Muslims, Mexicans, big deal. What's it matter when who America was and who Americans were is gone anyway? Are you kidding me? Now, here's something that, you know, I guess, I don't know, I didn't plan this, but apparently the stories I'm pulling up here is like uh, the, 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 the theme of this, the show today is, hey, how stupid are Americans? A formal federal prosecutor recently made headlines with his prediction that Hillary Clinton will be indicted soon for trafficking and classified information. Oh, it's more. I've got another story on this. But on a private email server while working as Secretary of State. But should a criminal indictment put Clinton's bid for Democratic presidential on hold? Well, let's see now. You're indicted as a criminal. Hmm. Should you still run for president? Well, guess what? Just over half of Democrats say, yeah, you should, even if you're indicted. Keep running, Hillary. You go, girl. Yeah, 46% of all likely U.S. voters think a political candidate who is charged with a felony while running for office should immediately stop campaigning. 46%. Wow. A new Rasmussen Reports National Telephone Survey finds that just as many, 47%, feel that candidates should continue running until a court determines their guilt or innocence. Really? It's important to note that Rasmussen reports did not include the name of any candidate or include any details in the question that would suggest a specific individual. Yeah, and I'm sure nobody figured it out, right? That, hmm, let's see. Uh, Let's see. Who's the the candidate about to get indicted? Hmm, let me think. Uh, No, I just can't think of her name. Or its name, I mean, because I, you know. Yeah, right. 54%. Of Republicans think a candidate charged with a felony should stop campaigning at once. So over half think, get out. You know what? You're indicted. That's that's bad enough to stop campaigning. Among Democrats, those findings are reversed. Only 40% say the candidate should quit campaigning. And 53 say, you go, girl. So what? You're indicted. We all know you're a criminal. We don't care. Wow. I'm I'm even shocked that it's only 54% of Republicans. I mean, honestly, folks, you know, when you're running for public office, this is a this is a position of trust. All right? It really is. That that is what it is. And to have somebody indicted for a felony, and you think, yeah, that's fine, keep keep running. I mean, you know, all right, I get this. And the thing is, you know, they they've obviously asked 
black people. All right? Why do I say that? No, it's not just because I'm a racist. It's because of, let's go back in time just a little ways and look at Washington, D.C.'s mayor, Marion Barry. That's right. They elected him after he did time. Why? Because Washington, D.C. is like 80% black. Marion Barry is black. They don't care. See? But now, hey, Democrats, but who knows who they ask? You know, the thing is, it's these telephone polls. Folks, if you don't come up with the right answer, the first couple of questions, they shut it off for you. You don't get to, you don't get to, you don't get to play, okay? I've had this happen. When I mentioned, oh, yeah, well, I'm uh, going to vote for, you know, Ron Paul. Oh, okay, thank you. See, if you mentioned Ron Paul, you didn't get to be in the poll. No, 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 we're not, we're not including him. But here's more on Hillary. FBI's Clinton probe expands to public corruption track. The FBI investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of private email as Secretary of State has expanded to look at whether the possible intersection of Clinton Foundation work and State Department business may have violated public corruption laws. Three intelligence sources not authorized to speak on the record told Fox News. <laughs> not authorized to speak, but they did anyway. The new investigation track is in addition to the focus on classified material found on Clinton's personal server. The agents are investigating the possible intersection of Clinton Foundation donations, the, dis the dispensation of State Department contracts, and whether regular processes were followed. The development follows press reports over the la past year about a potential overlap of State Department and Clinton Foundation work and questions on whether donors benefited from their contracts inside the administration. <gasps> Gee, I wonder. The Clinton Foundation is a public charity known as a 501c3, like a church. It had grants and contributions in excess of $144 million in 2003, which is why Hillary Clinton claimed to be penniless and poor and broke when they left the uh I mean, 144 million bucks don't go as far as it used to. I mean, for crying out loud, uh, you know, Donald Trump has several billion dollars, and they've only got a measly little 144 million. Oh gosh, that is broke. Uh huh. Inside the FBI, pressure is growing to pursue the case. One intelligence source told Fox News that FBI agents would be screaming if a prosecution is not pursued because many previous public corruption cases have been made and successfully prosecuted with much less evidence than what is emerging in this investigation. The FBI is particularly on edge in the wake of how the case of former CIA Director David Petraeus was handled. One of the three sources said some FBI agents felt Petraeus was given a slap on the wrist for sharing highly classified information with his mistress and biographer, 
Paula Broadwell, as well as lying to FBI agents about his actions. Petraeus pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor in March 2015 after a two-plus-year federal investigation in which Attorney, Attorney General Schill, Eric Holder, initially declined to prosecute. In the Petraeus case, the exposure of classified information was addressed, assessed to be limited. By contrast, in the Clinton case, the number of classified emails has risen to at least 1,340. A 2015 appeal by the State Department to challenge the top-secret classification of at least two e emails failed. It's unclear which of the two lines of inquiry was opened first by the FBI and whether they eventually will be combined and presented before a special grand jury. One intelligence source said the public corruption angle dates back to at least April 2015. On their website, the FBI lists public corruption as the FBI's top criminal priority. Is that right? Well, all right, we have Petraeus. Who else? Who else has been prosecuted for public corruption? If this is their top priority, folks, then why is there only one other prosecution? Are you telling me that Hillary Clinton and Petraeus are the only two corrupt politicians in Washington, D.C.? Really? Wow. Yeah, right. I think the FBI lies. And see, I don't trust them. You know, I don't trust them to do the right thing. I don't trust them to prosecute Hillary Clinton. I don't trust them to even keep the uh, evidence pure enough to be used in court. They will probably infect it by, uh, you know, oops, we left it out on the table. Oops. Oh, uh, oh gosh, I lost the laptop with all the information on it. Well, well, golly. You remember the FBI lab, right? Yeah. Anyway, how much confidence do you have that the FBI is going to prosecute Hillary Clinton or going to have a case that is undeniable, that you can't just, oh, well, see, this is just, they're a, Oh, they're just going after her because she's a woman or because she's a Clinton or because she's uh, from Arkansas or New York or wherever the hell it is she's from uh, or Illinois. Yeah, there you go. Isn't it something? Look at this. She's from Illinois. Obama's from Illinois. Valerie Jarrett's from Illinois. Wow. Kind of disturbing. Anyway. So we've got that. And then uh, listen to this. Forget fingerprints. Routers, you know, computer routers, routers could soon help police solve crimes. Data collected by Wi-Fi devices can find and identify criminals. Wi-Fi devices such as routers could be used by police to access data. Information could place people at the scene at the time of a crime took place. Devices such as routers log successful as well as failed attempts to log on. In addition, they can capture unique identifiers 
from mobile devices. Uh, 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 uh. So, you know, if you're using your Wi-Fi device, you know, we all are thinking, well, hey, I love my uh, my phone because, well, gee, you know, it'll use the the phone network when it's available. But if there's a Wi-Fi available, the phone automatically switches to Wi-Fi so it doesn't count on your, your data plan, right? I mean, and that is good and that's handy and everybody ought to like that, except for the fact that be aware, if you're going to commit any crimes or things that may be considered crimes. And folks, there are things on the books you and I have no idea about. There are so many crimes. What was it? I think it's something like uh, in a 24-hour period, if we looked at every law, people commit like 2,000 crimes a day, or they violate 2,000 laws a day. Just in, in, in doing their normal things. So, you know, to say, well, I'm not a criminal. I would never do anything like that. It's not me. That's like saying, well, I don't care if they waterboard Muslims because I'm not a Muslim. I don't care if they waterboard terrorists because I'm not a terrorist. Not today. But tomorrow, hey, stroke of a pen, we've changed the definition of terrorist. Now, oh, do you believe in the Bible? Do you consider yourself a Christian? You're a terrorist now because we say so. We wrote it down in everything. So, see, now you are a terrorist. That's how easy it works here in the United States, folks. Every single time you sit there and say, well, I don't care what they do to them because that ain't me, you're in real serious trouble because you're next. Every time, that's how it works. You're next. It's almost like they create a bad guy for everybody to get all upset about and lose your mind and say, well, they're such bad guys that rights and liberties and rule of law and due process shouldn't count for them because they're so heinous. And the government says, well, if that's the way you want it, okay, and you're next. Just like all the morons out there that supported the, yeah, let's get tough on crime. Three strikes, you're out. Minimum, uh, you know, minimum mandatory sentences. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guess what? You all support the Hammonds at the Hammond Ranch? You know why they're in prison? Yeah, they're not in prison because they lit fires and were found guilty. They already did that time. They're in prison now because of minimum Mandatory sentences. Yeah, they're getting tough on crime. Yeah, hey, you all wanted this, didn't you? Yeah, let's get tough on crime. Well, hey, now crime's getting tough on you. And the criminals live in Washington, D.C. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a bit. Hey, hey.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. Oh, let's see. It's still Monday. It's still January 11th, 2016, and it's about 1243 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. Uh, 800-932-1980. Go to the website. It's AmericanVoiceRadio.com or TheAmericanVoice.com. You go to the AmericanVoiceRadio.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. You go there, you will get the new responsive mobile site, which works for desktops also. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it works on a desktop. It's just it will work on a mobile phone too. Whereas the old site, which is located still at TheAmericanVoice.com, and it won't be there forever. You'll always be able to get to it. I, I've just got to I've got to figure out how to set up a uh, a deal with that. There's a little uh, glitch that I haven't been able to deal with, so I just left it there. So you can uh, get to the old site that way, which is not mobile friendly, okay? Uh, but it is the site you're used to, so there it is. And you can also contact me through Yahoo Instant Messenger. AVRN Talk is my screen name. So. Let's get to the stuff now. There's some question in the chat room. Uh, the way the um, the the thing went at the Hammond Ranch was, oh, uh, there was some fires set, which you know that sounds oh ominous. Well, it's a common practice out west here to burn fields of weeds, okay, and sometimes uh, that controlled burn gets uncontrolled. And that happens to the fire departments. They all do it, man. Everybody does it out here. And from time to time, the wind will change, and the fire that was under control is now out of control. And that apparently is what happened with the Hammonds. And, uh, of course, they were charged with arson and terrorism and all these other things, right, in the district federal court. Now, in the district federal court, they made a plea agreement. Listen, man, plea agreements work like this. We will charge you with only one or lesser crimes than what we uh, you know, have stacked on top of you now, if you'll agree to these terms. You know, usually there's probation and... Uh, fines and uh, whatever, but, you know, a lot less jail time is usually the thing. In the Hammonds case, they had them signed, uh, you have to give the government first refusal on if you want to sell your ranch, we have to be able to be able to be the ones to buy it first. And then some other things and a guilty plea. That's how it works. You don't take a plea agreement and then go to trial, okay? It's one or the other. Either you get a plea agreement or you go to trial. If you get a plea agreement, you plead guilty. And then the judge sentences you. In this case, the judge at the district court, Judge Hogan, decided, hey, you know what? This is not, you've charged him with terrorism and such, and this is not the, uh, this is not the case. This is not what happened in this. Even though you charge them with terrorism, this is not what they did, and this is not the intent of the law. So, I am ignoring the minimum mandatory sentences, and I'm giving this one four months and that one one year. So they went and they did their time. 
And then the federal prosecution, remember the ones that accepted the plea deal? They appealed and said, hey, this is a minimum mandatory. He can't do that. They got to go to prison for five years. So they appealed it to the Ninth Circuit Court, and the Ninth Circuit Court said, yep, that's right. It's a mandatory thing. Five years. Back to prison with you. And that's where we're at today, folks. And there's a lot of issues with that because, look, man, if there's a plea agreement and you appeal uh, guess what? There's no more plea agreement. You got no more first uh, right of refusal. You got no more nothing. As a matter of fact, uh, you broke the deal. So now we want a trial. What's what's up with that? Why isn't that happening? I have no idea. I, I don't have any information on it, and I don't know why. But anyway... Here's uh, something. Now, you know, we've heard about, oh, California's a horrible drought. Uh, actually, there's even somebody in the chat room has uh, done a documentary on the water problems in California. Ah, you want to see where that is and stuff? You'll have to go to the chat room. But Nestle. You've heard of Nestle, N-E-S-T-L-E-S? Yeah. They pay only $524. Okay? That's $524. That Hey, that's something that you or me or, uh, you know, people could imagine paying. Okay, $524. That's not like $5 million or anything. It's $524. Nestle pays only $524 to extract 27 million gallons of California drinking water. You getting this? Yeah. 500 and something bucks for 27 million gallons of drinking water. Wow. How does this happen? Huh? How does this happen? Now, now we can say, well, you know, um, this this thing goes of where they're getting it all from. I don't really care. Because the whole thing is not about Nestle. All right, Nestle's a corporation. Nestle's going to do whatever it can get away with to make as much money as it can. And I think paying only 524 bucks for 27 million gallons of water when you're rebottling it and selling it for a buck a bottle to people is a pretty good profit. You can't blame a snake for being a snake. Now, where is the California authorities here? I mean, as they're running around town making sure... Joe Sixpack's not watering his lawn, or he has to get fined $524 for watering his lawn. How come the California authorities aren't going to Nestle and saying, hey, wait a minute, you're not paying the going rate for water? You want the drinking water, you're going to at least pay what everybody else pays. See, I blame California for this, the California government. You know, they call themselves, you know, this is the whole thing. I don't think anybody out there would would think that 
California is not a democratically controlled communistic state. If so, then, why is a corporation, the dreaded corporation, why are they being given a King's X on this water deal, huh? By the communists. Hmm, suspicious, eh? All right. More on Hillary. See, I keep hammering on this because I want to make sure that it's documented somewhere, and which it is uh, all over the place, that people need to understand that what's going on with Hillary Clinton is not because she's a woman. It's not because she's a Democrat. It's not because of any kind of sexism or racism or any other kind of ism. It's because of, well, I guess it is, because it's because of her criminalism. She is a criminal. She is a serial criminal. The email scandal involving former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton has continued to unfold as we've been discussing. The number of classified emails now grow to blah, blah, blah. We've got up here. Um, this is more... There we go. An email from Jacob Sullivan tells that Clinton that they say they've had issues sending secure facts. They're working on it. Clinton responds by ordering, if they can't turn into non-paper, <laughs> get this. The email from Jacob Sullivan tells Clinton that they say They've had issues sending secure facts. They're working on it. Clinton responds by ordering, if they can't, turn into non-paper with no identifying heading and send non-secure. Really? Because to remove classification headings from a classified document is usually treated as a very serious matter. Although the level of classification is not known by this email. But 18 U.S.C. Section 793, whoever lawfully having possession of, access to, control over, or being entrusted with any document, writing, code book, signal book, sketch, photograph, photographic negative, blueprint, plan, map, model, instrument, appliance, or note, Relating to national defense or information relating to a national, uh, the national defense, which information a processor has reason to believe could be used to injure in, to the injury of the United States or to the advantage of any foreign nation, willfully communicates, delivers, transmits, or causes to be communicated, delivered, or transmitted, or attempts to communicate, deliver, transmit, or cause to be communicated, delivered, or transmitted the same to any person not entitled to receive it or willfully retains the same and fails to deliver it on demand to the office of employed by the United States entitled to receive it or it goes on and on and on and on and on shall be fined under this title or in prison not more than 10 years or both. So you see, the evidence is clear. And I've got another uh, article here somewhere that within the FBI... 
you know, FBI agents investigating this, it's like any workplace, you know, you've got your thing going on, but you talk to all the other employees and they talk to other people and everybody knows Hillary Clinton's being investigated and everybody at the FBI knows what kind of evidence is being found. And within the FBI, there is an uproar among agents that, hey, are you kidding me? We have prosecuted people with far less evidence than this and been successful. We put them in jail. And, and we had less evidence than we have on this woman. Now, when are we going to call it a day and say, okay, look, man, we're not done investigating, but we've got enough here to indict this woman on I don't know how many counts, 1,350? I'm serious, folks. And what happens if Hillary Clinton does get indicted? And what happens if they wait? What happens if she's the nominee? What happens if it goes all the way that far and then all of a sudden she's indicted? Maybe even arrested and can't run for president. What happens then? Does Obama just step in and say, well, seeing as how we don't have a Democratic candidate, uh, I'm just going to stay here until we can get one, because that won't be fair. Well, you know what, buddy? You forfeit your right to have a candidate if you pick the criminal. And you pick the criminal. So, you know what? If she ends up in jail before she can get in the White House, then too bad for the Democratic Party. You don't get a candidate. Or, hey, run Bernie Sanders. Good luck with that, huh? But, you know, politics and banking, man, I got a pile of banking stuff I'm not going to get to here either. But you all know this. This is kind of like all over the place. I mean, you can read it almost anywhere. If you go online at all, you're going to see the economy's falling apart. It's unwinding. And not just here, worldwide, man. China shuts down their stock market after 15 minutes. Yeah, that's it. 15 minutes of trading in a day. That's all we need. Everybody go home. We're closed because we're not going down any further. See, that's the whole thing. We're not having any 1929 sort of thing. And they stopped trading then. They didn't have a plunge protection team. They had private investors that would come to the rescue. But the thing is, now they have these uh, circuit breakers, they call them. Meaning, well, you know, oh, it can go up as far as it wants. Oh, gain, 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 win, win, win. Yeah, this is great. As far as you want, sky's the limit. But then, on the way down, oh, no. No, 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 no. 700 points in a day is it. We shut it off then. 400 points maybe even. Yeah, and then tomorrow it can go down another 400, and then tomorrow another 400, and then tomorrow another 400. And all that means is you're not get the first in. If you can get in there and the first 15 minutes and sell all your stocks, maybe you won't lose everything you own. But if you don't, you'll have to wait till the next day and see if you can get in in the first 15 minutes then and just take your losses for the day. Yeah, that's how it is. So I've got those, but this is something that you may not know about, and I don't really have a lot of time to get into it, but I will... Uh, uh, at least mention it. Based on interviews with three teams, two in California and one in Minnesota, MIT Technology Review estimates that about 20 pregnancies of pig-human or sheep-human chimeras have been established during the last 12 months in the United States, though so far no scientific paper describing the work has been published and none of the animals were brought to term. 
the extent of the research was dis disclosed in part during presentations made at the NIH's Maryland campus in November at the agency's request. One researcher, Juan Carlos Isipuza Belmont of the Salk Institute, showed unpublished data on more than a dozen pig embryo containing human cells. Another from the University of Minnesota provided photographs of a 62-day-old pig fetus in which the addition of human cells appeared to have reversed a congenital eye defect. Wow, this is great, huh? Now, a lot of people out there, the same people that say, oh, it's okay to chop up uh, fetuses of babies and sell them out there because it might someday help somebody somewhere, somehow. But you know what? This is screwing with something that man has no business messing with and will be punished for it. Yeah, make no mistake. I don't care what you believe. You can believe in whatever you want to believe. This is just a fact. It's happened throughout history every single time, and it will happen again. You want to mess around where you shouldn't be messing around, you're going to pay the price. We all are. It's not good, folks. But I got to go. I'll be back again tonight. We'll do two hours. So coming up next is financial survival, and I'm sure they will detail all the uh, economic collapse and unwinding going on, but hey, and they also have solutions for you, so as always, thanks for listening. I heard it through the grapevine, my new neighbor don't like my big red barn, American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. And I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adams, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. And today is Monday, January 11th, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Well, Melody. We'll be talking about this, but we had another brutal sell-off in oil today. At one point, you had prices plunging more than 6% to a new 12-year low. And, of course, uh, that followed the Chinese stock market. Uh, uh, they fell by another 5%, and uh, overnight interest rates for their currency uh, outside of China soared to nearly 40%, their highest since the launch of the offshore market. And uh, so, again, uh, lots of warnings on any type of further devaluation uh, from the yuan and uh, uh, saying that that could cause oil prices spiraling lower. So we'll just have to wait and see, but let's first get to, before we have any discussions about uh, that, let's go ahead and see what the gold prices are doing right now in the New York spot price down nine bucks, nine dollars at 1,076. So it's down 0.06 at 1397. Platinum was down big today, down 33, which makes sense with the, uh, with China. Uh, 849. Palladium also down big, down 15 at $481. You have stronger dollar. I mean, it all makes sense. 51. It's lies and it's not true. (laughs) At least you can see it sort of works together in their little world of illusion, in their little illusionary world. The U.S. dollar is up 0.51. At 98.89, crude oil, uh, we're looking in the aftermarket on the New York down 1.98 at 31.18. Paper markets today, they were down most of the day, um, but about the last hour of trade, um, the Dow managed to get up at 52 points at 16,398. The NASDAQ was basically unchanged, down five points. 46.37. 46.37. The S&P, that was up a little over a point at 19.23. The yield on the 10-year, 2.16%, at 0.03. The euro, 109, that was down 0.64. And as I mentioned, uh, the China's uh, stock market was down another 5%. Hong Kong was down almost 3 and pretty much Germany, the European markets were just down maybe a, a quarter of a percent. So no big changes uh, in those markets yet. But it's interesting now with the big pressure that we've seen on the stock markets that uh, um, they're really not getting any comeback. They're you know they're not getting any uh, you know quick uh, bigger um, upsides well, the in fact the numbers. That they didn't go down. Today. Oh yeah, but There's usually when you have a week, when you have a protection team is exerting a little bit of energy and they're not dead yet, and they're able to but my keep point it at is, least positive today. But my point is, with the huge job market report on Friday, with the markets being down as large as they were were last week, on a whole, you'd think they'd be able to muster more than fifty-two points. Well, I agree. So, again, my point is there's still a lot of pressure that's coming from these markets where we'd see much higher. Well, maybe they read uh, 
the report that the actual number of jobs created last in December, they reported what? 333,000? I don't no, remember. 292. 292, all right. The actual number, according to David Stockman, was in the neighborhood of 11,000. All right, so they just overshot by a tad. Um, <laughs> the real number is 11,000. They report 300,000 or thereabouts. Uh, they're, you know, 30 times. They've <laughs> The number is thirty times higher. Well, even if you don't, even if you don't think David Stockman's <clears throat> numbers are correct, eleven thousand. I mean, you still got a huge discrepancy there. We know they weren't two ninety two, and uh, we certainly know that a lot of those were all part time. Even, even at fifty percent, I mean, it's a huge discrepancy, and uh, a lot of those were all, you know, any even that eleven thousand, they were all part timers. Yeah, I understand. How many of those jobs were really productive and how many were step and fetch it, you know, um, people's. You uh, want fries with that? Yeah, you want fries with it. We're going to have, that'll be the thing we have to teach all the kids in grade school and high school how to ask, properly ask if you want to supersize that or not. That'll be important to holding your job in the future, children. Uh, And the onion, the state of the union speech is tomorrow night and uh i'm just uh you know if for those of you he's going to deliver his seventh and final state of the union address tomorrow at 9 p.m eastern time obama will speak before a joint session of the u.s congress and uh um, separate in the senate of course and touch on a variety of topics including the economy time it climate change, foreign policy, health care, social progress, according to the White House. The address will live stream online at the White House website and also uh, the official White House YouTube website. So you want to watch on, on, on the uh, Internet, you can. And my only observation is get ready to laugh. Uh, the State of the Union speech should be Obama's doing his best stand-up routines ever. Now that I'm reminded of Hank Williams, you know, he used to sing that song on Monday Night Football, get ready for some football. Are you ready for some football? And thinking Obama should be singing, are you ready for some bull stuff? Because that's what we're probably going to get tomorrow. Uh, In any case, State of the Union, one thing he can say about the State of the Union is he's not going to be around here for the next one. All right. There's cause for optimism. All right. We should start out. <laughs> this is my last state of the union. Yay! Yay! And the crowd goes wild. Biggest round of applause you'll probably get in his full eight years. So, anyway. What are they, they actually going to say for the state of the union? Oh, what can they really say that's positive? It'll be interesting to see, but what I, you know, what's always interesting is the little things. You know, it usually goes over. You know, ninety-five percent of the people's, uh, you know, it goes right over their heads. But just like I saw a Christmas video of him where he was talking, you know, about you know the, the birth Jesus and so forth. It was like he never mentioned Jesus's name. There's just so much that he admitted. It was just like he could barely choke out. 
either the story that, uh, you know, but he wanted everyone to believe that he was this, you know, that he's not a person of faith. That, you know, he was this person of faith. Muslim faith. And it was just like he could barely choke it out. And I mean, it was just so obvious, but most people wouldn't even think to do this. But yeah, he is going to, it's going to be on the White House YouTube and Snapchat, whatever that is. And, um, He's going to sit down on Friday. Now, this is our so-called president. He's going to sit down on Friday with three YouTube celebrities for a live interview from the East Room. You have Ingrid Nilsson, a 26-year-old known as a YouTube as Miss Glamorazzi. <laughs> oh, that's not, that should be it. That, that's, we, I can see we've got an intelligent political discussion coming now. Another one is going to be... I'm not sure the Adon D A D A N D E Thorne, a video game enthusiast known online as Swoozy, and Dustin Sandland, who makes educational videos. <laughs> and it's like, are you kidding me? With all the problems that we have in the world, and um you know, we get Miss Glamorazzi and yeah. Swoozy. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I don't know what's wrong with this guy. Sign of the times. Does he have just a death wish or something like that? I mean, is he making, he's making, you know, there's some people that are uh, conspiracy theorists think that something will happen and Obama will try to stay in office, you know, beyond into his third term. I don't buy that for a minute. I don't yeah. accept that. But. The, world the way he's behaving, he doesn't behave like he thinks he's going to be sticking around for another term, that's for sure. Now, you know, if I think if anyone had the... I could see him actually trying. But on the other hand, I think the condition of this country and the people, I think there would be an explosion of... Um, it wouldn't happen. He wouldn't be allowed to stay in there. No, he's not going to be allowed to stay. No, there's no, no way. There's, there's there no way. No way. The only no. way he can remain president is if the country is destroyed and nobody else. And if it is, he won't have anybody to talk to anyway, assuming he survives. No. It can't be. Can't be. Can't be. He's not going to be there. If there's any semblance of federal government still being constitutional, they're going to have somebody new in the, in the Oval Office uh, January of next year. Right, we've got to be a year to go before Obama's bye-bye, and we're all going to, you know, it'll be one of these scenes. You remember that iconic photo of President Nixon getting up into the helicopter and waving goodbye, waving goodbye. As, he's leaving, as he's leaving the White House and the presidency. We're going to get something like that for Obama before this is all over, and it'll be another yay, yay, I don't know. I'll feel like a munchkin. Which is I'm almost be no, no. I'm sure my words will be just. I'm almost willing to take Hillary over him. Just kidding, everyone. You know, I'm not. You know, that's a fact. I hadn't thought about that, but if I had to choose between Hillary and Obama, I wonder. I I mean, it's it's certainly it's not clear who I would choose if the choice was there. But uh, I'm not even convinced that Hillary will be around for the, uh, you know, so much, so much is coming up against her. 
But you know what? It's kind of interesting, though, because you don't hear much about Bernie Sanders. And it's interesting to think, and most of us believe there's no way that that Hillary would be elected due to her history, the baggage that she carries. But what an opportunity for when you get into these states and so forth for really people turning to Bernie Sanders. I mean, he could be the, the, the little guy from behind, or everybody thinks he's behind, but he's just very quiet. And anytime you have someone that's very quiet, like... He's just napping. You get elderly, you're not quiet. You're just... No, so like you, might you might be You politicians are awfully quiet. What are you up to? You just might be surprised that you uh, might, you might how he be. might finish stronger than anybody's anticipating. And usually when no one pays attention and everybody's focused on Trump, that's how you can come up and, and, and take, you know, and take the win. So well, maybe because people don't pay enough attention to Bernie to have many negatives about him. <laughs> Some people are for him and the rest of them don't. Who, who is he? You know, there isn't much negative necessarily about Bernie Sanders' negative opinion on him. There's some positive for some supporters, and who knows, maybe the man can be elected simply by not having many negative opinions. Certainly Hillary is awash in negative opinions, and Trump is going to inspire his fair share. It's not going to be anything like a majority, but like a fair share. Here's an article from the American Mirror, and the headline is Shock Poll. 20% of likely Democratic voters to cross over vote Trump. That's the headline. A shocking new survey released Friday by Mercury Analytics finds that nearly 20% of likely Democrat voters who were polled would cross over in the general election and vote for Republican frontrunner Donald Trump. Um, I don't see, certainly in the case, that's, it's, they're going to vote for Trump. They're certainly not going to vote for Hillary. I doubt that they're going to vote for I doubt that they'd change their mind if Bernie Sanders was a candidate. Can any Democrat win if 20% of the Democratic Party crosses over and votes for Republican? Is it even possible? I mean, this is only one poll, and it's a year or 11 months away from the election. So, uh, actually, what, 10 months away from the election, I guess. 11. any case... Uh, can any Democrat win if 20% of likely Democrat voters are going to cross over and vote Republican, at least vote for Trump? That's if Trump, that's if Trump is, that's if Trump is the candidate. Now, if they just run one of the regular Republican candidates, they'll just stay where they are and vote democratic. But as long as Trump is still has a, you know, he's still in the, he's still in the race. So they'll vote for Trump. Um, can the Democrats lose 20% of their voters and still expect to win? And was this basically because of Hillary, or was this basically because of just the satisfaction? I think it's basically because of Trump. Trump is saying what a lot of people want to hear. Even Democrats are sitting back and saying, this guy's all right. Now, I don't mean all of the Democrats, but some of them, even even the ones who say, I'm a vote Democrat, I don't care who runs on the Republican ticket. Well, yeah, some of them will never vote. They they wouldn't vote for the Messiah if he was running as a Republican. I understand that. That's part of politics and rest, that sort of thing. But 20%ers say, I'm going to cross over. That means there's 30%, 40% who are thinking about it, who may not even vote. They won't vote for the Republican, but they might not show up to vote for the Democrat. And the point is, you know, 
it's early. It's too early to say this poll is decisive, but it sure is indicative that the Democrats are in for trouble, 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 and it's hard to find. Where do you find a, a bright light for the Democrat Party right now? It's really difficult. Trump has simply, he's captured the American electorate right now. And you see him in the news every day, what Trump said lately. What did he do with the Muslims? What did he do with the illegal aliens? What did he do? He is setting the agenda right now. Everybody else is reacting to Trump. Trump is leading, not just leading in the polls. He's leading in the ter- in terms of setting the agenda and what we're going to what we're going to talk about today. Well, it depends on what did Trump have to say. If he can continue that, I mean, he's 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 almost the de facto president right now. Let's take a break for some commercials. Melody and I will be right back on financial survival. Please stay tuned. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3Ws.thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice 
radio network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188 for all your gold and silver coin needs. What's next, Melody? Well, we're going to run the special, um, again, my favorite AU $5 Liberty Gold piece, along with 21-ounce Silver Eagles. Those are dated 2016, and the cost for that package is $700. And if you'd like to spend $600, you can replace that AU $5 Liberty Gold piece with a Swiss franc, a brilliant uncirculated Swiss franc. Um, They just came in, beautiful coins for a foreign coin, very recognizable and acceptable. You could receive that along with 21-ounce Silver Eagles for $600. So two little packages, an American coin, the AU $5 Liberty and Silver Eagles for $700, and a AU Swiss franc or BU Swiss franc um, for $600. Give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Visit our website, dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. And, of course, make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter. An article here from Kiplinger Magazine. And it's uh, the, the headline is, How Much Tax You'll Pay on Your Lottery Winnings. <laughs> and it's a reference to the Powerball uh, payout, which is now expected. The, they're going to run, they're going to choose, they're going to select some numbers again on Wednesday. And uh, there should be, oh, right now, they're anticipating a $1.4 billion That's unbelievable. That's just astonishing. And I don't know, is that a tribute to how much money they're giving away, or is that a tribute to how little their money is worth? How little our money is worth. You know, it's, we are, we're constantly receiving information indicating that we are in some sort of a deflationary period right now. But $1.4 billion. I mean, this is like, are you sure we're talking about dollars? Or are you talking about pesos? All right. Maybe 1.4 billion pesos. By the time we get done with that, we'd, you know, maybe that, maybe that's what it counts to. But it says the federal government wants to take a bite out of that big Powerball payout. Your state might too. The $1.4 billion uh, Powerball jackpot has generated a lot of speculation about the best ways to spend that much money. In reality, the winner will end up with far less than that. $1.4 billion is the value of annuity payments over 30 years. 
They're going to give you the $1.4 billion divided by 30 years, which translates into, I don't know, 300000 or something like 400000 a year. And by the time you get to the end of this, what are, you, what are your numbers going to be worth, um, assuming you even last for 30 years? But $1.4 billion, but they say if you opt for an immediate lump sum cash payment, your payment will be a mere $806 million before taxes. It just cracks me up. A mere eight hundred and six million. I don't know if I could make it on just an eight hundred and six million melody. Even even before tax, even when we take the taxes away, then I'd be in a lot of trouble. I don't know if I could survive. <clears throat> and make no mistake, your tax bill will be significant and unavoidable. Government is here to help you. The top federal tax rate is 39.6% on 2016 income of more than $415,000 for individuals. That means you'll pay about $320 million in federal income taxes. Reduce, that's if you take a lump sum payment. You'll pay $320 million in federal income taxes, reducing your spendable winnings to about $486 million. All right, the IRS will automatically take 25% of your winnings and you'll owe the rest next April at tax time. Your state might want to cut of the pie also. New York taxes residents will have to pay 8.8% of the jackpot. Uh, New York City will want another 3.9% of the jackpot whittling the Big Apple's residents take to 384. Get that? You win. Yay! I won $1.4 billion, and I got to keep $384 million. Government takes a billion out of $1.4, at least in New York. Residents of Alaska, Florida, Nevada, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, where I am, Washington and Wyoming are off the hook because those states have no income taxes. Still, it really, I mean, look, <clears throat> I would, if I won... $384 million, all right, or $400 million or 450 whatever it is down here in Texas. Of course, I'd be delighted. But still, it is interesting that out of the alleged $1.4 billion, if you take a lump sum payment, you get less than $400 million. That's uh, government here to help you, here to help me, and here to spoil the fun. You know, this is the sort of thing where you, when you stop to think about it, how many people have won substantial prizes from the lottery? And, and, and by the time you get done with it, the implication is that the government may be taking half or more of those lotteries. I mean, let's, let's have a lottery. Let's have a lottery. And you could win big, only the government's going to win even bigger. And they're going to win every time. You get a chance in a million. They get it. They're, they're sure. We're going to get then, ours. Al, and then, Al, you go on drugs and alcohol, and you're broke <laughs> in a matter of five years. Yeah, that's one of the problems. <laughs> you know, you would think that having all that money would be a great blessing. And I think if you're sensible, it is. It's hard to imagine how it could be a curse. But a lot of people who've won the lottery, it's just driven them into bankruptcies, ruined their lives. They get all that money and they don't know what to do with it and they do stupid things with it and they get to feeling guilty after they buy a new house, a car, and a boat, and an airplane, whatever, and they discover 
you know, that life has not really changed. They've got all that new stuff, and here they are, the same people they were before, plus they don't have their jobs anymore. <clears throat> I don't know. In any so case, you if, you're, to- if you win, if you win the $1.4 billion on Wednesday, just get ready to pony up a billion to the government. Well, you know what, Al? So many people, too, when they win that type of money, they don't share it. You know, they, they want to have it all, and they might give a little here and a little there. But I always said that if I won the lottery, I would share it. You know, I would I would give most of it away. Right over. Here's your 50 bucks. Here's another 50 yeah. for you. But I would give most of it away. I mean, how much do you need well, in your lifetime? Wants. That's what the government thinks, too. You should give most of it but away. But I think They're that's why these people are so unhappy. I think that's why these people are so unhappy. And uh, anyway, we got a caller. We got Joe from Arkansas. All right, Joe. What do you, hello, Joe. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you, Alan Melody? Just Can't fine. Yeah, what right. you got for us? Well, I wanted to comment on a trend that I see in the economy. You know, generally all the attention goes to what the big important people are doing. But, uh, you know, I run a small business myself, and so I kind of pay attention to what the little people that don't really matter much are, are doing. And uh, one interesting trend that I see is an increasing interest in fine-quality handmade stuff. You know, like as the big corporations are moving more and more to getting people out of the production process altogether and going to robots. Uh, I've noticed that more and more people seem to be interested in buying well-made, handmade stuff. And it's like uh, I live in a town of about 75,000 people, Fayetteville, Arkansas, and uh, recently two stores that sell locally made, well-made, handcrafted stuff have opened up here, and they seem to be doing pretty well. And uh, I'm a sign painter myself, and uh, just the other day a young couple called me that they want me to paint a sign for them, and they are also going into the business of they're opening up a little shop to sell fine-quality, locally-made, handmade stuff. And uh, so this seems to be a trend that I see more and more, and, and uh, I, I still paint signs by hand. I learned back in the 70s, and when the computerized sign-making systems came in, I just didn't go to them. I said, well, I want to keep painting signs by hand, and I'll see if I still get any customers. And uh, there seem to be quite a few people that like a well-done hand-painted sign, and that they call me specifically because I still do that. So I've kept real busy ever since. And so that, that's, a, that's an interesting trend that I see in the economy. So if somebody's looking for something to do, if somebody is out of work and, you know, wants to go into some kind of business, you know, if there's something that you'd like to make and you're willing to work hard at it and do a really good job of making something, you know, fine crafted, hand, fine handcrafted quality, uh, there might really be a market for it out there. Do you think the market is there because these items are made by hand or because the items are made locally? Because you're saying those are two sides of the same coin. I think people like both. Yeah, I understand. That's, that's, I think they are two sides of the same coin. But it's, it's, it's not just a question of being made by hand. It's a question of being made locally. And it's an interesting sign in the, sen- in the sense that People are less interested in imports. We're not, we buy the stuff that they make in China. The prices are cheap. The prices are right. Hard to resist. But we don't really feel good about it. On the other hand, if we could buy something that was made by somebody who lived down the street or in our local economy, and that's what anything by hand pretty much means. You're selling into the local economy. You're not getting it on the Internet. So, uh what do you think that means? Do you think people are just well, fed up with the foreign imports, or well, well, just... well, actually, I understand there are some websites on the internet, like Etsy, where people make 
handcrafted stuff yeah. and sell it on on that website. And uh, and mm-hmm. I think Amazon is also opening up a website where they sell handcrafted stuff. And quite a few people are doing pretty well on on those you know selling handcrafted stuff all over the world on those websites. But uh, but I th- I think basically it's uh, I think basically people kind of instinctively feel. Uh, that this trend of globalism and robot-made stuff is not a healthy trend. You know, it's not good for the future of humanity. And they're trying to get back to something saner, you know, so something, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're trying to get back to something uh, uh, that, that gives humanity more of a future than the globalist trends. Uh, yeah, but well, do we really that. get more of a future? Do we really get more of a future out of handmade items? I mean, in the final analysis, we're not going to have any handmade off. We're not likely to have any handmade, not many handmade automobiles, for example. Not many handmade rifles. I mean, there are certain just realities behind the the economics of scale, where major corporations make all the stuff and they do it at a relatively low price, and uh, it's. I- I think perhaps what we've been seeing is perhaps because we talk about our standard of living, and I think that has significantly decreased over the years, uh, and I think these people don't have jobs, and I think they're resorting to something. They can't get a job that doesn't pay anything, so they're resorting to something that they can do, uh, something, you know, hopefully they do well because only those that do something well will make it only because of the competition, and even if they get online in order to compete, you've still got millions of uh you know people or you know you have a you know thousands of other people who do the same thing and uh i i don't but think they're it's, doing it i don't think it's, one i don't point. i don't think they're doing it to fight globalism i think they're doing it out of need no, i agree i agree that's not their intent but it might be their effect a little bit but still the point is i could uh i could whittle who knows heads all right sculptures I could whittle some here in Texas, and in my community, I might be able to sell some if I were talented. And Melody could do the same thing in her community, and you could do the same in your community, Joe. And we wouldn't be in direct competition because most of what we're selling is local. Um, there's room for this, but what can we actually make? You know, it goes to, if you want a job, though, if you want a job that you can count on having in the future that isn't going to be taken over by robots, it'll be something that's local, right? That doesn't, that that can't, that's not subject to globalization per se, and that would be something like being a plumber, being an electrician, being a carpenter, being a handyman, having tools in a truck with a utility body on it where you can go out and do things locally, all right? Because they can't send a robot in to fix your plumbing. That's not something the robots can do, and they're not going to do in the foreseeable future. They're going to have to call someone who lives local. You can't call somebody from Peking. Get on the Internet. Let's look. Boy, we could get a really cheap plumber out of Peking, but how do we pay for him to bring him down here to Texas? So there's something about if you want to keep a job and stay employed, you want something that is local, right? You want to get tied into something that's local in the sense that the guy that's doing it has to live in that local community. You can't have someone from out of town doing your plumbing, your electrical repair, or whatever. And the same thing with this craftsmanship. 
the part about craftsmanship is it takes so much time if you're good at something. It takes a lot of time to create, and you, you end up spending a lot of time, and it's very difficult in order to provide you know, something that's of quality, uh, you know, in a short period of time. It doesn't and, necessarily but, take that long, Melody. All you got to look is, all you have to do is find some other craftsmen who are starving in South Dakota, for example, and you can buy all their sculptures uh, for a dime on the dollar and then sell them as if they were yours locally. Well, no, I mean... But, I mean, it's very dif- difficult to, you know, cra- it sounds like easy, like you can just no. slap things together and so forth. But if you do have quality and you have a talent for it, it's, it's, it's difficult. Uh, it's very time-consuming. But, it, it, you know, I think you can add to your, your income, but I would think it would be very hard to sustain well, a family of four. Well, times for everybody. That's what's yeah. coming down. And tradesmen is going to be, you know, I mean, tradesmen. it's going to be the kind of job that there will be a point in time where... Women, for example, for reason, I don't know if I want to marry this guy. He's a tradesman. No, he's a tradesman. My God, he's got his little plumbing business. He's got a little electrical business. He drives around a truck with a utility body. He's going to be a prize in another few years. We're going to take a break for some commercial announcements. Melody and I will be back in a moment. Please stay tuned to Financial Survival. will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Cody and I are back again on financial survival. Uh, we've got a caller, Yvonne, is calling us. Hello, Yvonne, what up? Yeah, good afternoon, uh, uh, Alan Melody. Hi, Ivan. Uh, yeah, hi, Link. Um, I was just uh, wanted to talk about um, the Amish uh, people here in Pennsylvania. They do a lot of mm-hmm. handcrafted stuff, mm-hmm. and it's well, you know, it's excellent quality, but the price is pretty high. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I went to a couple of the shows they had, you know, not far from Allentown, and, and um, uh, so I mean. If somebody, you know, when the money was not a problem, I, I think uh, they did. I think they did very well because um, uh, that probably lasted for uh, you know many more years than you buy something, uh, you know, on a furniture floor, uh, you know, in some Flanagan or whatever these uh, big uh, stores are. And so, yes, quality, uh, quality is there. Uh, and like we, we were uh, talking, it takes a little bit time to do it, uh, to do it do uh, well. And like that, these uh, Amish people do very well. You know, they are expert in it. But the price is also there, and I don't know how well they are selling that stuff because you know, people today are looking, uh, looking at every penny, and you know, turning it over five yeah. times in their hand before they give it out. You know. So that is the only thing which would be a drawback, uh, as far as uh, you know. Buying well, I think something. most of the. I'm only guessing. I don't know how the Amish structure their the sale of their furniture products, for example, but I'm guessing it's mostly to visitors to come see all the you know. Oh my gosh, look how these people are living! They come to see the Amish way of life, and while they're there, they see some of these chairs or tables or whatever. It's like, could we, you know? You know, can we buy this? Could we, can we take this home? This would go right. This would be perfect in our kitchen. I think they're. I'm guessing that they're selling on impulse. To they're selling to people who have the impulse to buy, who are attracted to visit the Amish as a tourist destination in the first place. Do you know if that's true or false? Well, yeah, they are busy, but they do have. Uh, um, I don't want to say showrooms or whatever, but they do have locales, uh, areas where they have. The furniture laid out for you purchase, mm-hmm. and they would deliver it. Now, uh, they are not going. To, yeah, I went to a couple of them. Like I say, I, this is a few years back, um, and um, I mean the quality is there. There's no question about it. It's well built. It outlasts yep. anything you buy, you know, in, in any showroom, uh, and they, they they can also probably. Um, uh, uh, incorporate your uh, liking of of the way you know the the presentation you know maybe put some wax or whatever you know uh, some kind of wax on it or whatever you want you know I mean they can uh, make it more uh, for the particular buyer but in the, generally um, the the thing is is that that was quite you know you could you could see quite a few uh, ads in a paper now. In the last year, I didn't see one ad about Amish furniture or whatever, you know. So I, I, I'm sure that they are cutting back because there's just not enough uh, people who are interested in purchasing quality stuff and paying for it, you know, um, probably not you know, exuberant, uh, money, much of money, but, you know, they, they certainly are a little bit higher than you, you go to the local furniture store. And pick up whatever you know, whatever you want. 
So uh, I agree that you know manually produced uh, stuff is, is certainly better quality. In fact, way back I was looking uh, to get homemade stuff from Europe where I was grown up or you know, where I left and, you know, open up a store here and, uh, you know, sell, uh, you know, wooden carvings of, of uh, figurines and stuff like that, you know, uh, which, is, which was quite also uh, quite prominent were there. And I had a couple of Palestinians here who were selling uh, olive wood carvings from uh, Holy Land, from Palestine. And uh, that was very big on Christmas, okay? I mean, almost big, every big bowl had one or two um, stands, like, you know, a kiosk, you know, with different uh, home of fine, uh, you know, handmade um, uh, Bethlehem. Yeah, but are they still in business? Are they no, still in business? All, it's gone now. It's, it's, it's just not, you know... First of all, you probably saturate the stuff too, you know. I mean, you know, it's like anything else. It's like hula hoops. Yeah. You know, there are different products that come on. I don't know. There may be a lot of people who don't even remember hula hoops by now. They were a big yeah. fad back in the fifties, and they yeah. lasted to some extent over the years, but not the way they were in the fifties. Big fad. Well, it's like a lot of things, hand carvings and whatever. There's a point in time when the public has as many of those as they want, and now they start looking for what's the next new thing. And it tells us something. It tells us that if you want to stay employed, you need to provide something that people need all the time, whether they like it or not. Well, right? the other thing- and that means, again, plumbing and electrical and fundamental services, mechanical, fix a car. If yeah. you can provide services, people have to have simply because things that they need break down. Periodically, your plumbing fails. Periodically, your your electrical system fails. Your air conditioning goes off. If you can deal with those problems and you've got your own tools, and that's the most important part, you have to have. You want to be in business for yourself, you've got to have your own tools. If you yeah, don't have tools, is. you are an employee at best. If you've got a job, yeah. you're an employee. If you've got the tools... Even if you're called to go to work at midnight, you can go out and make a premium price. Somebody calls up, hey, the water broke. Can you do anything about it? Yeah, I could be there right now, but it's going to cost you X number of dollars. Got to have the tools. Yeah, the other thing is, uh, like we're talking about mechanics for the cars, but the cars are so um, complicated or being made complicated by computerized uh, uh, parts that... uh, that you don't, you have to have some major, uh, you know, um, tools or electronic equipment in order to diagnose the whole thing, so that you I know what, what the problem is. So you have to I invest agree. a lot of money into that for you to be in competition uh, with a large um, uh, repair service who sells cars and also, you know, and repairs them. So it, it's getting the- more. It's getting more out of the that, hand of, of the individual than... Uh, and, I agree. And you, I agree. You know, yeah. It's escaping so, us. We are being replaced by robots. Well, You know, that's the unfortunate reality at the moment. We are being replaced by robots. Truth well, of the matter is, the robot works 24-7. He doesn't just work an eight-hour shift. He works, you know, 24 hours a day, doesn't complain, doesn't have any health care costs. 
uh, you know, you can, you can, he, he's building that car or it's yeah. building that car that's coming out of the, uh, off the assembly line in Detroit or wherever it is they manufacture automobiles now. Um, well, you know, if you have mechanics, let's say, you know, let's say you have a shop, you have to send those people to training because each, you know, each year is a new, uh, you know, new uh, incorporation of, of the higher technical, uh, you know, equipment going into the car. You have to understand it, how it works, what the problems are, and so on, and diagnose uh, it, and then repair it. So yeah, I agree. Uh, this is where the whole thing is starting to get out of hand totally. And, you know, that's why the... And you're exactly right with the expression getting out of hand in the yeah. sense that the technology is is moving beyond our ability to understand it. So I, I can remember I, I, I had a utility body truck myself one point, and one of the great things about it is there was space under the hood. It had a straight six engine in it. It was an yeah. old Ford two fifty. Right? Yeah. I could yeah. climb into the I could climb into the engine area under the hood and stand on the ground while I was mm. working on the engine. Yeah. Today yeah. you get a modern engine and that thing is engineered to you where you can barely get your hand in there to change spark plugs, assuming it has any spark plugs. Well, it's the whole thing. I mean, thing. it's I a mean, project. They're beautiful engines. What they're building today are closer to rocket ships than they are my, the, the vehicles I'm familiar with from back when I was a kid. Whatever. They're like buckboards compared to what we have today. We have spectacular automotive oh, yeah. products, but you try to fix them, <laughs> and you got an entirely yeah. different yeah. problem on your hands. You better hold up a bank or something because you're not going to get out of there cheap. Well, no, well, Al, all you have to do is go get a zero-rate loan and a seven-year loan, and you can just trade that sucker in when it breaks and <laughs> keep you know, the economy going. I wonder what the. I wonder if we're going to see a day, and I wouldn't bet on it, but it just crosses my mind. Are we going to see a day where people start taking mechanics, people that are mechanically inclined, are able to buy automobiles that have a quarter of a million miles on them and are therefore pretty much run 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 down they're not they're not good buys anymore can you buy those cheap and could you be a good enough mechanic where you could repair them and bring them up to snuff where they'd be good for another hundred hundred and fifty thousand miles and sell them at a profit do you think that's well, possible yvonne yeah i think uh you know if if they uh i think the the uh the material uh, which is which they are made out of, are uh, like titanium they use, and you know some pretty sophisticated hard uh, metals, you know, which can sustain heat and so on. So that it can probably be uh, life extended on it, you know, by another fifty percent, maybe uh, up to fifty. Let's say from twenty from thirty to fifty percent. Let's say by you know maybe changing certain internal. Uh, parts and any some whatever computer parts which are needed, but over overall, yeah, I think the, the, the extension, life extension, of some of these cars can be done. I, I would say. I know it know. can be done, but do you think there's going to be a market for it? Would people rather, depending on price, would they rather buy a vehicle that was made ten years ago? It's got two hundred fifty thousand miles on it, but it's been renewed. It's been refurbished. Would they rather buy that, or would they? Would there be a market for it? Would they trust it, or would they insist on buying new cars? Well, if it's Cold refurbished, car, yeah. if it's refurbished by by a, 
let's say, manufacture a type of uh, person, okay, if, uh, just like a camera, okay, or uh, something else. You can buy it refurbished at much cheaper, uh, much cheaper price, and it's refurbished and gives you uh, same, you know, uh, picture quality and so on. And it would be the same, similar with a car. You know, you would. If you, if what if you set up your own assembly line, and every time you were going to refurbish, instead of refurbishing cars one at a time. Yeah. What if you made it your business to buy half a dozen of the same model? Yeah, you would same year, same yeah. model. You got them cheap, and you put them and you rebuilt all of them at the same time where your help was essentially doing the same, whatever you had to teach them to do. They did that on the first card, then they did it on the second card, then they For did sure. it on the third, fourth, and fifth, and all of a sudden you've got six refurbished automobiles and put them out in the front lot, and maybe you could sell them. Do you think that's viable? Yes, yeah, you have to give them the, the uh, warranty, you know, as, as you would probably with a, maybe yeah, not a, a brand problem. new car, but, the but you need would to. Be, it would not, the problem is it wouldn't be cost effective to the point where people could just go out and buy a new car. And that's the problem with even any used car is the prices and, and with the zero rate financing and with the seven-year loans, you know, people go out and buy new cars. They don't have to put it, barely put any money down. They have a warranty on it. So if anything happens to it in, you know, the, 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 the one year or five years for the powertrain and so forth, you know, so it's just not cost effective. Plus, you have to it's, deal with emissions. Not... The emissions are constantly changing, the regulations for that. So, you know. Yeah, I, but I don't I, think they're retroactive. Not, I just don't think it would be. Oh, yes, they are. Are you kidding me? Well, they have to be inspected. There's some states when I was in Arizona, they made you turn in. That's why you have these. I remember the you you would turn in the old cars for, you know, to uh, a junker. They don't junker. pass emissions. You can't drive them. Yeah, no, yeah I, I agree. But I, I one of the zero interest rate is going to be here forever. There's going to be a point when if you have to borrow, you're going to have to you're going to have to pay a pre, fairly high interest rate. It can't stay down near zero forever, um, and that is going to detract. It's going to deter people from buying new automobiles, and they're going to be eh, I don't know. I might be able to get another hundred thousand miles out of this, out of this, you know, five ten years. Yeah, they'll keep stop. them, but they're not going to have somebody who refurbishes them to. Well, maybe they will, Melody. You don't know. That may be. A new job for you or me or Yvonne. We may get to a point where we have to do it. Right? The economy collapses. What are you doing? I'm taking yeah. jobs from the illegal aliens. The illegal aliens are going to complain that the Americans are taking jobs from us. They're working cheaper than we do. Well, the uh, thing is, is that you have to have the knowledge, too. You know? I mean, it has to be knowledge uh, what you, uh, you know, if you are refurbishing a car, you have to understand what you're doing, otherwise. Yeah, that's uh, like always we said been true. That's always been true. But we are coming so, to a point. And again, way, that's I mean, the what I'm thing. saying with is, the robots, where our knowledge is not adequate, the robot with the computer behind it has levels of knowledge that we can't match. I well, can't remember yeah, yeah. all the details on that engine. The robot can't. All right, but uh, well, here we go, Yvonne. We are out of time. We've got to thank uh, you for your call, and right. we will talk about robots and what to do about it on another date. Uh, in the meantime, thank you all for listening. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Joe from Arkansas, Yvonne, and Frank, the producer. Bye. Right. <laughs>
all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. money and knowledge is power. That's why you need the Basic Research Library CD from the American Voice Now. This CD contains the Federalist Papers, which are the definitive writings illustrating the intent of the Constitution, and the Anti-Federalist Papers, which read like a crystal ball to everything gone wrong concerning the present-day Constitution. This CD also contains Bovier's Law Dictionary and the Uniform Commercial Code, plus the inaugural speeches of the U.S. Presidents, the U.N. Charter, NAFTA, Hitler's Mein Kampf, the full Communist Manifesto, the Patriot Act 1 and 2, the model anti-bioterrorism law, the Homeland Security Bill, the FBI's Project Medigo, and too much more to mention here. The CD contains over a thousand files. To order your CD, go to www.theamericanvoice.com or call us at 541-826-9050. That's 541-826-9050 for ordering information. So far, O4 has brought historic debt levels, volatile financial markets, and now Alan Greenspan is warning of an impending Social Security crisis. 
As it turns out, our trust fund is more of a slush fund. I say get prepared for more financial uncertainty ahead. To help you, Swiss America has just released a new 21-page research report that explores the problems and solutions of our Social Security mess which, by the way, is a consequence of abandoning the gold standard 70 years ago. This in-depth report covers all of our options, including how to put yourself on a personal gold standard. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Find out what you can do now to overcome social insecurity with trustworthy gold. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or read it online at SwissAmerica.com. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Welcome to Freedom Call. I'm your host, Bo Greitz. You've got a 1-800 number. This is your program, too. You can call in. I'll be giving you information that I think is important for you, and I'll be giving you some interpretation that you're not going to be able to get from a lot of other talk show hosts because they just simply haven't been in the arena. They haven't got the experience. They may have watched the movie, but uh, you'll get here what uh, is important, and you need always to be armed, heavily armed. That means something to write with, pen and paper, pencil and paper. Whatever. And uh, the first thing that we're going to bring up is this American who was beheaded. And now, uh, I mean, almost all of you have heard about this. We'll review it because there's a, a number of you that may not have. But it is important to realize that uh, al-Qaeda has cut the head, severed the head off of a, a young American who was kind of 26 years old from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, actually from Westchester, but it's a suburb of Philadelphia. And he was sort of an adventurer. He had gone around the world uh, hoping to for world peace, I suppose, make uh, the world a better place. He's got a good education. Uh, his family was informed uh, that he was beheaded by a group that had captured him from al-Qaeda. They proclaimed, God is great, is what they were shouting, as they forced him to the ground, turned him on his side, and then a man standing directly behind him uh, disclosed a very large knife from beneath his robes, and they did uh, cut his throat and behead him. And this was an American. His name was Nick Berg, B-E-R-G. He's 26. He was from Westchester, Pennsylvania, a suburb of Philadelphia. And then after beheading them, they, as if they had just won the Stanley Cup, held his head aloft and proclaimed, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, which in their tongue means God is great, as if God had cut the head from Nick Berg. They said that they did it uh, in retaliation 
for uh, what now has become worldwide uh, in photographs of Americans lording over and taking really stupid pictures, claiming that, uh, that they were forced to do so by their chain of command. It just proves that uh, it is an oxymoron. There is no uh, intelligence in the military. When you, they say, well, they're military intelligence bosses, and now you're getting people uh, higher in positions of special trust and confidence that say, well, it was the CIA that was telling these young, low-ranking military policemen, army people, that are normally shoe clerks, uh, they are sort of jerks, they uh, work on, as mechanics, they're just doing, in other words, they are normal people. These are not regular Army policemen. Uh, matter of fact, the people here from my great state of Nevada were uh, are greatly perplexed because they were the first military police unit to go over in the National Guard and they are the ones that kind of reconstructed and got ready this mile square. This is a huge area that you are looking at. This infamous prison of Saddam Hussein that we have made even more infamous uh, just there in the outskirts of Baghdad. And so a lot of the Nevada military police are taking heat because people are saying, is that what you were doing when you were over there? As an intelligence officer... I belong to the uh, former Intelligence Officers Association, the Counterintelligence Intelligence Officers Association. I was the intelligence officer for Delta Force. Uh, I was a commander of special operations, which uh, only purpose was to provide a very high level, the high command, four-star generals in, uh, in Vietnam, with uh, up-to-date intelligence from secret zones, which means that I had the mission of capturing prisoners. And I can tell you that uh, not the CIA... Matter of fact, let me give you just a little bit of history, if you don't mind this little vignette. Bear with me. The best intelligence people probably in the history of mankind, as I have read it, were from the German Luftwaffe. Now, what you do is, when you capture a prisoner, you are able, right then, while the prisoner is, is still in shock, suddenly you've got a gun on that person, they know they're going to be a prisoner of war, they're in shock, you can get information from them right there at the capture point. Now, you also search them, and you take every implement, whether it's a battle dress, or whether it is pocket litter. You take all of that. Now, you take your prisoner of war, and you take him back to a... and turn him over to the military police. All right, now, here he is interrogated again. And a history of this interrogation goes with this prisoner, so that gradually, where he was captured, when he was captured... How he was captured, was he just alone or was he part of a, of a, of a battle that occurred and he was wounded? Uh, what did he have on him? What did he say? All of these things are taken into consideration as you ask this prisoner questions and then you record what the prisoner says. 
Well, if the prisoner is important enough, and this was a, I mean, I went through all of these levels in my special operations command. We captured them, we interrogated them, and uh, we extracted important information from them. And then uh, when we passed them on, uh, they uh, had been pretty well wrung out of information. But you can then use things like uh, truth serum or polygraph machine or even uh, forms of hypnosis to make absolute confirmation. Uh, you will have other prisoners you captured. You can, you can use this information from them to check the information from one prisoner of war. It's all pretty much a matter of fact. To use loud music, to deprive them of sleep, to make them strip naked, which for a Muslim man, if they even touch a strange woman, they got to wash themselves seven days in dirt. I mean, this is one of the most evil, mean, ornery things you can do is strip a Muslim man naked in front of women which our military police are. We've got one of this young military policeman that's going to be court-martialed. They've been let out of the Army. I guess that's the Army's way of saying, hey, listen, uh, you are uh, too embarrassing for us. So they let them, suck them out of the Army. There's a picture of her with a rope, uh, kind of like a dog, you know, around the neck of this naked uh, Arab, and she's uh, got her thumb up and smiling, and there's pictures of her hiding, you know, looking behind this pyramid of naked bodies. That then they they said that the CIA and the military intelligence said this is what they wanted them to do to get these people ready for interrogation. Let me tell you something. All that does, and these people should know this, or they are stupid. If this is what we have in the CIA and the military intelligence, we're hurting. We need to sweep clean and get some of these old guys back. I volunteered to go. Let me go over as an interrogator. At least I have experience of interrogating hundreds of enemy prisoners and have had some success. And I understand the Holy Quran and these Muslims. And they are the easiest people to fight. They're the easiest people to anticipate because they live by the Quran. So if you know the Quran, it's easy to anticipate and to get them to do what you want them to. At any rate, uh, all of this, you, you gather together, and uh, all that we're doing with what we've seen in this chicanery is we are confirming to them, yep, it's just like we have always been taught. This is Satan. This is evil. This is mean and ornery and unnecessary. And it, all it does is make them strong. All it does is prepare them to make the journey to where they say heaven is with uh, buxomy, doe-eyed women, green grass, and cool babbling brooks. And that's not the gospel according to Bo. That comes right out of the Holy Quran. And the way that the old German Luftwaffe did, they put their arm around you, they took you into the officer's club, they made you feel at home as if they were your friend. In the meantime, 
you are in a state of shock to the point where you, because they are being kind and understanding to you, you feel obligated to, well, I'll cooperate a little bit. I won't say much. But you see, when you compound what each prisoner says that is treated this way, you now have an encyclopedia of information. Then you can start playing off when you say, well, do you know when you told me uh, this, actually we know from your friend over here that, that that isn't true, that you were here. And suddenly they realize, wow, you know everything. Now, we either have that method, the German Luftwaffe, which was most effective against American airmen during World War II, or you have the Chinese way. The Chinese way is that they hurt you so bad with their cruelty that when they stop hurting you, you feel grateful, as if they're your friend, and you want to reward them, and so you give them information. Now, which are we? Are we like the red Chinese, where we torture and maim until when we stop, they are beholden? Or can we act like human beings, like we're supposed to be from a European culture, a Christian culture, where we have feelings and where we treat people with respect? And even though, and here's what I'm, here's what I'm telling you, they did not come over here first and take innocent lives. George Bush Sr. went there in 1991 and ravaged Iraq. And it was for that revenge that 9-11 came. And now we have gone back. And in all of the fighting that you heard about over there, there was 12 militiamen killed. There were 14 that were killed. There was 20 that was killed and no American casualties or whatever. What al-Qaeda is saying is we cut the head off of Nick Byrd because to gain revenge and to make up for the loss of innocent life and for what you're doing to our prisoners and are they right? Well, it's going to get uh, worse before it gets better. And uh, let me, before we go on with this, what we can expect to see out of uh, this American prisoner of war disgrace, let me give you some of the actual uh, words, because some of you may have known Nick Berg, B-E-R-G, or you might be from Philadelphia, or you might be interesting. He didn't work for the military over there. Uh, Berg was working on his own. And as a matter of fact, uh, U.S. officials uh, even told him, uh, you should uh, go home. But uh, there are many, there are many U.S. personnel that are working for uh, aid development. They're working for the international. They're working for the United Nations. They're working for international peace uh, groups. And Berg was one of these people. He wasn't on the payroll uh, providing security, or he wasn't part of the prison staff or anything like this. 
he has even said to support uh, the war uh, and the Bush administration. But what they did, there were five men. They were dressed in headscarves and black ski masks, and they had him in an orange jumpsuit, similar to the prison uniform uh, worn by, or sometimes, I guess, until they strip them naked, uh, worn by the, uh, the Muslim prisoners. And he says, quote, My name is Nick Berg. My father's name is Michael. My mother's name is Suzanne. And then the man in the chair says, which is Nick Berg, I have a brother, David, and, and Sarah. I live in uh, Philadelphia. And uh, then you see them. And there's, it's actually thought that there is a period of time here because the video sort of cuts. But uh, they, you see them, uh, they, uh, Berg is sitting on the floor, he is pushed over by uh, some men, and then he is decapitated while they yell, God is great. Now, he went to uh, Cornell University, he went to Drexel University, he went to the University of Pennsylvania, he even went to the University of Oklahoma. I don't know if he graduated from all those people, but... Uh, he set up equipment. He was a he was an electronics uh, freak. He set up equipment at the Republican National Convention in the year 2000. And while he was at Cornell, he went to Ghana, very poor area of the world, to teach villagers how to make bricks out of just you know simple material. His dad said that he returned from Ghana. Uh, he was emaciated because he gave away most of his clothes. He said he he looked at this trip to Iraq like an adventure that he was going to help the Iraqis. And, of course, he, his body uh, was found near a bridge, and his family was informed. And they knew about the beheading, but what shocked them more than anything is they didn't realize that it was going to be uh, become world news. And uh, what you're seeing on television today, they don't show it, and God be praised for that. But there is a, uh, a Muslim website you know, that actually had the tape uh, from these Al-Qaeda five, and they say it was under the orders of their leader, and that it is, uh, and well, as a matter of fact, let me just uh, give you the quote that is on the tape from them. The spokesperson for the five says, For the mothers and wives of American soldiers, we tell you that we offered the U.S. administration to exchange this hostage, Berg, for some of the detainees in the Abu Ghraib prison, and they refused. So we tell you that the dignity of the Muslim men and women in Abu Ghraib and others is not redeemed except by blood and souls. You will not receive anything from us but coffins after coffins sought this way. And so that is uh, what's going on. There are seven soldiers right now from the three... 172nd Military Police Company facing charges. I'll be right back.
prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. Swiss America's CEO, Craig Smith, says there are four major facts pushing gold prices higher. One, a dropping dollar, reducing our standard of living. Two, trillion dollar debt and deficits, living on borrowed time and money. Three, scandalous Wall Street behavior, fueling a confidence crisis. And number four, terrorist attacks adversely impacting economies and oil prices. Now, I'm no economist, but common sense tells me all this adds up to higher gold prices. Get informed and take action. Call my good friends at Swiss America to understand why gold is such a safe haven at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-BUY-COIN. Ask for your free 2004 Gold Rush Kit $25 value. That's 1-800-289-2646 or 1-800-BUY-COIN. This is Bo Wright, and uh, I'm back with you, giving you interpretations of things that are in the media today that you won't find anywhere else because you don't find uh, people who have been in the arena that generally turn out to be talk show hosts. And uh, it has been uh, either a fate, if you will, or a blessing by Almighty God that uh, I was on the radio for, wow, uh, eight years because a young man who desired to do this as a way uh, to make a living, Tom Donahue, was placed uh, in jail and he ran off. And I promised to to keep his radio show going. And I was on uh, Talk America Radio for about eight years and then uh, I, want, I had to write a book called My Brother's Keeper. And uh, I was getting up at 4 o'clock every morning and uh, doing a radio program from 6 to 9. And I'll tell you, I was toast uh, when that was over. You start getting, uh, working your way toward and past 65, and you'll find that... Uh, you have got to start a little bit later in the day if you're going to have your energy levels up to snuff or you've got to take uh, some of this snake oil that, that people offer and, and hope that it's uh, true stuff. At any rate, Pam Stegner got me back on the radio, and I, I was glad to come back because I see America right now reeling from confusion, not knowing, my gosh, 
which what is truth? Uh, and uh, of course, you're not going to hear it from the American media. You're not going to hear it from politicians. Uh, if their mouth is moving, if you see their lips in motion, you know they're lying. Somebody has got to tell America the truth that knows what the truth is. And it's going to be somebody like myself who has trained Mujahideen Afghan freedom fighters when they were fighting the Soviet Union, uh, who has been over in Saudi Arabia, who understands this Muslim terrorism to make sense out of this. I was with my son Michael and daughter Melody yesterday. It was a good day for me. I had to go to the VA, uh, and after that appointment, I had lunch with them, and I noticed each one of them had on a mission a 24-karat gold necklace. Now, this looks like little bars of gold and little bricks that are hooked together. And every time that we went on a mission behind enemy lines, we always took gold with us. Frank Gary Powers, remember him? I knew him. Uh, his, uh, his, I signed his son's uh, application for George Washington University to get a master's degree. Frank Powers was the guy that crashed uh, in Russia when uh, Eisenhower was president. Well, he carried gold, all the U-2 pilots. Every secret agent that is sent deep behind enemy lines carries gold. How come? Because paper money can be used behind you at certain times uh, when nature calls. You can't eat it. You can't wear it. But gold is always something that is useful. I, I won't bore you with the times that I have bought myself out of trouble by breaking off. That's why you have these, look, they look like little gold bars hooked together uh, in this thing we wore around our neck. That way we, we weren't always with it. I mean, you showered with it. Everything you did, you did with this 24-karat gold necklace. I could take that thing off. I could bust off pieces and I could buy transportation. I could buy uh, getting away from hostile police and military forces. And I have. So what I'm telling you is, in times that are coming right now, please, I don't know if Swiss America, they were the one that, that sponsored Tom Donahue. I listened to a program just preceding this one uh, where Pam Stegner was on, and they were interviewing a man from Swiss America. I want you to call Swiss America. It's a toll-free number, 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-B-U-Y-C-O-I-N. I know Craig Smith personally. He starts every day with prayer. I know Craig Smith is a wonderful Christian man. He's the guy that bailed me out when I was arrested in 1998, last day of September, in Connecticut. I'd have been toast if it wasn't for him. I want you to call Swiss America, and they have for you a kit, an information kit on how you can prepare and take advantage of the way the times are right now so that you don't become a victim. Now, I don't know if he has these little gold necklaces, but he has things that you can acquire that are 24 karat gold 
or they are silver, things that are worth something. You call him 1-800-289-2646, and you do it today. That's a loving order. Get ready. All right, now make sure you get ready. I'll be right back in three minutes with news you can use. has brought historic debt levels, volatile financial markets, and now Alan Greenspan is warning of an impending Social Security crisis. As it turns out, our trust fund is more of a slush fund. I say get prepared for more financial uncertainty ahead. To help you, Swiss America has just released a new 21-page research report that explores the problems and solutions of our Social Security mess which, by the way, is a consequence of abandoning the gold standard 70 years ago. This in-depth report covers all of our options, including how to put yourself on a personal gold standard. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Find out what you can do now to overcome social insecurity with trustworthy gold. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or read it online at SwissAmerica.com. American Voice Radio Network has radio's regular guy, Roger Fredenberg. 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. You can listen to Roger on C-Band Satellite at Galaxy 11, Channel 12, Audio 8.10, and on the Internet audio stream at www.americanvoiceradio.net. That's Roger Fredenberg, five days per week, right here on American Voice Radio. Grandma used to say, Johnny, eat your greens. She knew something about health that we've mostly forgotten. Most of us get little or no greens daily. Forest Spectrum Chlorella gives five times the chlorophyll of any plant on earth for cleansing inside out and 50 times more lutein than spinach for healthy eyes. All eight essential amino acids, over 60% high-grade protein, and numerous vitamins and minerals. The cracked cell wall absorbs toxins, even heavy metals, and flushes them out of your system. Forest Spectrum Clean Green Superfood is a whole food concentrate with no negative side effects. 100% plant source dehydrated chlorella pressed into tablets using no binders, fillers, excipients, colorings, or other additives. One month supply, $35, two months, only $60 postpaid. Read more at forspectrum.us. That's number four, spectrum.us. Call 903-714-7767. That's 903-714-7767. Order today. This is the American Voice Radio Network. Broadcasting live on satellite at Galaxy 7, Transponder 12, Audio 8.1. We're on the Internet at AmericanVoiceRadio.com. You can hear American Voice Radio 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. with you and just to, you know, I, I really did feel good sitting down with Melody and Michael uh, yesterday and noticing uh, their gold 
uh, necklaces, every one of them I had worn. I had sweated with that thing. It has my DNA all over it, down in the cracks of every one of those little gold links, 24 karat. It made me feel good. They were wearing something that had meant my survival out in the jungles of Asia and in and, and Laos and Cambodia, Vietnam, Burma, Indonesia, in Africa, uh, Saudi Arabia, every place, all these places, and they they had them on, and I felt good that I could give it to them. And you know, I'm not Rockefeller. Remember, Rockefeller used to give dimes, gold, silver dimes to children. Maybe you don't remember because if you're not old like I am, nobody probably ever told you that story. I wasn't trying to duplicate Rockefeller or anything, but I did have an experience. I uh, I took a shot uh, to the head. Uh, I was shot right in the back of the head uh, with an AK-47, a 7.6239 bullet. And it's good to be from Oklahoma and to be a hard-headed Christian because the bullet bounced off of my skull. The surgeons told me that it uh, cracked my head, but there wasn't much leaking out. Uh, they they sewed me up uh, with uh, wire stitches for crying out loud. They felt like barbed wire. They twisted these these wire stitches to try to hold my head and scalp together. And uh, do you know it was just the next night I was shot down and crashed in a helicopter. And I couldn't lay my head back because of these <laughs> barbed wire stitches in the back of my skull. But when I woke up, I thought I was in heaven. First of all, when you get shot in the back of the head, you figure that's it. I knelt down on the trail, and bullets that are being fired at you are supersonic, and they crack, uh, and you can feel them snapping right by, and or feel them tug at your clothes or equipment or snapping right by your ear. And so I thought I was just going to kneel down and die there. And, you know, Judy was asking me the other night, my wife, she said, well, what does it feel like? Did you know? Was your did your life go before your eyes and all the stuff you you hear? And I said, you know, I hate to tell you, but it was nothing. It was just matter of fact. I had been shot in the back of the head. I was resolved the fact that I was uh, dead, and I just knelt down on the trail to die. And when I didn't die, I thought, well, I'm going to crawl over here beside this tree and use this tree as a buffer between the bullets coming my way. And uh, I didn't die. And the next thing you know, I said, because it was just me and a master sergeant named Grisham and three Chinese. Uh, and I said, we better get out of here. <laughs> and so uh, I did. But when I woke up, I, I thought I was in heaven. I saw this beautiful, angelic face. And as my eyes cleared and my consciousness came back, it was an army nurse. <laughs> she looked like an angel to me. And so I made a promise that any time I saw an angel, that I would uh, reward the angel. And, you know, <laughs> every angel I saw from that point on was a child. And it used to be, I don't have any money now, uh, Frank, uh, our the producer and owner of our of our station that you're listening to this on, Frank and I were talking before the uh, program, and I 
I said, and he, he was saying, you know, Bo, nobody has any money. Uh, he says, I'm offering my uh, my airtime at just absolute rock-bottom prices, and people are still saying, uh, we just don't have any money. It's just that way, isn't it? I mean, we seem to be making more than we ever did, but the dollar's not worth what it used to be. And it was only, it was just before the year Y2K came along. I did have, I had saved, and I had bought uh, silver dollars. And I heard Pam Steger on her program before this one uh, talking about how when she was a little girl, she had a silver dollar. She didn't know the name of it, but there was a, a, a lady with flowing uh, robes that, was, that decorated the front. That's Lady Liberty. And these silver dollars were just awesomely beautiful. Oh, they were so big. They looked so good. Remember? And when I would see these beautiful, when I'd go to a gun show, or if I was at a preparedness show, and some of you can remember, maybe it was your children that I was giving them to, but when I would see an angel, I would call that little person over to me, and I would very secretly say, now you can't tell anybody. This is a secret between us. But I'm going to give you something, because I think you're an angel. And I want you to keep it always. And I would give them one of these silver dollars. And they would, sometimes their little hands, of course, weren't big enough to cover it up. But, you know, they would just, they like a secret, they'd hold it to them. Their eyes always got bright. And, you know, I even tested these kids a couple times. I would take like a $5 bill or a $20 bill and I would hold it up with the silver dollar and say, which one of these would you like? And I'm telling you, kids aren't dumb. <laughs> these little angels, they would just snatch that dollar. I mean, it was like gung fu and take uh, the peanut you know, from, take the bean from my hand. It, would, it was so, it's so interesting. I don't have any silver dollars anymore. I gave them all to the angels. But I hope that those little children somewhere still have those silver dollars and they remember that is real money. Now, what is my point? You know, I took as care as many angels as I could, and I gave my children things that were silver and gold so that they would be sort of hedged up around they've got they can use it as a hedge when nothing else will work the silver and gold will work and so i i don't have any gold chains anymore i gave them to all my kids i went on a lot of missions i had a lot of chains i i gave them all away it's just my way i'm not a very good businessman but I'll get my reward from a higher source, is what I told the FBI when they wanted to give me money up at Ruby Ridge. Anyway, I want you to call Swiss America at 1-800-289-2646. you got no excuse. 1-800-289-2646. It's all free. And just ask them for the kit. And then they've got silver if you don't have a lot of money. And they have gold if you are going to get some money. 
see, George Bush said that he was going to reward war fighters. Congress wanted him to do more for veterans. And George Bush Jr. said, uh, well, if I'm going to give anybody, a uh, veteran, money, it's going to be the war fighters. And, you know, I hey, I held my hand up and said, hey, I like that. If you're going to give money to somebody, you know, why give it to the shoe clerks or the, the jerks? Why not give it to the war fighters? So George Bush says, I'm going to give combat compensation pay equal to what the VA awards if a man has got a purple heart, if he has 60% combat-related disability or more. you got to give your blood for this country. you got to be wounded in action. And so that came out uh, this effective last June, June of 2003. If you know anybody that's got a Purple Heart uh, that is 60% or more disabled by uh, that gunfire, then uh, the government's got money. Well, I, I applied. <laughs> Here it is, May, and here it is, May 12th, and I haven't heard anything yet. <laughs> so uh, is it real? I don't know. But if I get if I get this money, it's supposed to be retroactive back to June 2003. My goodness, it could be worth money, you know, I mean thousands of dollars, which is a lot of money to me. I'm going to call this lot I'm doing you. I'm going to try to convert as much of that as I can so that I will begin to build a little bit of silver and gold again. Now, if I see a little angel, I'll probably give that silver away. <laughs> but uh, do it. Call 1-800-289-2646, Swiss America, and get their free kit. That's what's important. All right, let's go back to what you're seeing on the news, because I want you to know what the truth is. And I'm a guy that can tell it to you. I've been in the arena. Uh, there's a young soldier. Her name is Lisa Gearman. And this young soldier is featured in some of these pictures and, and videos that uh, they have of the mistreatment of these prisoners over there in Iraq. And like I've told you, you know, it's not really the fault of these little, of these little soldiers. This little gal, Lisa Gearman, says, I was just doing what the military intelligence and the CIA ordered me to do to prepare these Arabs for interrogation. Well, you know something? It's too bad that, Lisa Gearman, we just can't sort of pat her on the head and say, Honey... Uh, you shouldn't even have been over here in Iraq in an Army uniform anyway. Go back home to your mama and just try to forget what's happened. It's not your fault. But you know at Nuremberg, they had soldiers, they had military who said, quote, we were just following orders, and it didn't work. We hung them, we shot them, we imprisoned them for life. And so Lisa Gearman, if World War Two, you know, it's a damn good thing, the Vietnamese, they won the war, but what if they were would have been as powerful as America? Do you think Westmoreland and Abrams and a lot of other people would have been arrested and tried and executed for war crimes? Good thing our enemies 
when 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 we withdraw with honor, good thing that they don't hold us accountable. I wonder how come the tribunals don't call upon some of our leaders to stand responsible. Anyway, here's what's happened to Lisa Gearman. Two weeks ago, CBS, they were, this is called 60 Minutes 2, they were the very first ones to broadcast pictures of these Iraqi prisoners being abused at Abu Ghari, near Baghdad. Now, tonight, tonight on 60 Minutes 2, they are going to show video footage that they have gotten uh, that shows uh, this U.S.-run prison uh, in uh, southern Iraq called Camp Buka. Now, we have two. Actually, we have uh, like eight camps over there, and we only have got now photographic evidence from two. Abu Ghari, which you've seen, some of the stills that they have shown. And now tonight on 60 Minutes 2, I don't know, see, what what is 60 Minutes on? I think 60 Minutes is CBS. But if you watch 60 Minutes 2 tonight, then you're going to see a video, a diary, a video diary that this young soldier uh, maintained. And she comments on there that, you know, that some of them died, and she says, uh, you know, who cares? Well, these are photographs of uh, prisoners that have been sexually harassed, threatened by dogs. Uh, piled into pyramids, and unfortunately you've got these grinning American soldiers with thumbs up. Well, the Pentagon has said, and we've heard this uh, from Defense Secretary uh, Donald Rumsfeld, who I'm here to tell you, Rumsfeld ought to be, uh, you know, they say he shouldn't quit because it'll make it look like the Arabs won. He needs to be fired because he had no plan. Rumsfeld had nothing after we seized Baghdad and after we occupied Iraq. What was he thinking of? He wasn't thinking. They had no idea what they were doing. That's why we're so far behind the power curve. We've done everything we can to make the whole world hate us. And we've done everything we can to cause the outrage that I think is going to fuel and motivate Arabs to be more torturous to our prisoners. And I hope that America, just because they do it, doesn't mean that we act like them. All right, anyway, Rumsfeld has already said that uh, there are there's more to come. That's even more shocking. And so... Uh, CBS has got a home video that shows scenes, and you can hear the comments of this young woman. And here's what she says. I'll tell you before you see it. Maybe you don't watch television. Maybe you blew the damn thing up. She says on the videotape, quote, I hate it here. I want to come home. I want to be a civilian again. You see, these aren't professional military police. This isn't the 82nd Airborne Military Police, which it probably ought to be. This isn't the 101st Airborne Division Military Police Battalion, which it probably ought to be. 
These are Americans that you see selling lingerie that are in the National Guard. They go to meetings once a month. And all of a sudden they found out, whoa, we're the ones that President Bush, they're supposed to belong to the governor of the state. But now Bush has ordered them over there. And they're the ones that are responsible? Responsible? I don't think so. I think many me Bush and Rumsfeld ought to be uh, held responsible for what's going on. She says, I want to be a civilian again. Says She says that we killed two prisoners today. One got shot in the chest for swinging a pole against our people, and another got shot in the arm. We don't know if the one we shot in the chest is dead yet. In her video, she describes... Uh, Camp Buka as being, quote, this is a sand viper. Wow. You die in about six hours when they come in. We've already had two prisoners die, but, quote, who cares? That's too less for me to worry about. The soldier said about three prisoners broke out of camp every week, but she says... They don't escape from me because they're scared of me. I got in trouble the other day because I was throwing rocks at them. Oh, boy. Land of the free, home of the brave. I'll be right back with you guys. Three minutes. What will you do in an emergency? Are you ready for domestic terrorism? Food is not something you and your family can live without. Be it attacks on our food, nuclear, biological, or an oil stoppage, any way you cut it, your life could be seriously impacted. Get your family ready now. Take control of your life and be prepared with Ready Reserve Foods. For 30 years, Ready Reserve Foods have helped people prepare for rough times. Ready Reserve Foods are easy to store, need no refrigeration, and are easy to transport. Now more than ever, you need Ready Reserve Food Storage Program tailored to meet your family's needs. Ready Reserve is the answer to securing your food future. Be self-sufficient and call Ready Reserve Foods right now. Call one 800 453 2202. That's 1-800-453-2202. Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified, vitamin E complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. Party 
you want more on this story, uh, then you can always go, of course, to watch uh, CBS 60 Minutes 2 tonight. There is something that I'd like to talk about now in this last segment that is very interesting. You know, I believe in angels. I mean, Angel Gabriel appeared, and uh, and before Mary, it was Angel Gabriel that came and, and stood uh, to, before Daniel. Uh, there was an entity with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, when Nebuchadnezzar had them thrown into the great fire. Uh, what do they look like? Well, <laughs> for the first time ever, a government has finally uh, certified the photograph of UFOs, and it happens to be our neighbor, the Mexican government. Now, this is what actually happened. This happened in March, but it's just now making its way to the surface. A Mexican Air Force has released video footage of 11 unidentified flying objects that were visible only through an infrared camera. Now, what happened is they had a Mexican jet up there, and the guy was picking up stuff, and the ground people were picking up something on radar. So what happened in the jet fighter, they had an infrared camera, and when they turned it on, the pilot said, whoa, whoa. <laughs> They're invisible to the eye, but they were there. They had mass. I'm quoting now. They had energy. They were moving about. And there's a 15-minute video to prove it. The Mexican Defense Ministry has, uh, has turned this, uh, this video over now to the media and confirmed that it was shot by a member of their Air Force on March the 5th along the eastern coastal state of Champeche, C-A-M-P-E-C-H-E. As the aircraft looked for drug traffickers near the Gulf of Mexico, the pilot yells out, we're not alone, this is so weird. These are his words. You can hear it in the video. The plane's crew had just switched on the infrared camera after picking up objects on radar. They're described as blobs of light that hover in formation, or they dart about, and sometimes they disappeared into a cloud. Now, one of the pilots became rather nervous. I didn't say he was afraid. said he was nervous. You know how the Mexican machismo is. There was, I'm quoting him now, there was a moment when the screens showed they were behind us, to the left, and in front of us. It was at that point that I felt a bit tense, <laughs> says Major Magdaleno, M-A-G-D-A-L-E-N-O, Castanon, C-A-S-T-A-N-O-N. This is historic news, <laughs> It is. Again, I'm still quoting. Hundreds of videos of UFOs exist, but none has ever had the backing of the armed forces of any country until now. So it is of interest to see where this goes. Can't see them with the naked eye, but infrared, that means maybe... 
you guys need to get a hold of some of these night vision goggles and look out there and see what's around. They appeared as, and there's a there's a picture of them. Uh, that is, you know, this video has been released. It shows disc-like circles of light. Well, remember they they also say, you know, that Lucifer can appear as an angel of light, the devil. Well, uh, these were eleven <laughs> that appeared as discs of light. There's a good book. Uh, I was flying to Bangladesh. Don't go. I've been there. Too many people. Too much excrement on the ground. Don't go. But uh, my flight landed at uh, at London Heathrow, and I went in, and here was a book that I couldn't find in America, but it's available now. Timothy Good, G-O-O-D-E, wrote it. It's called Above Top Secret. Above, I looked at the, I said, hey, this sounds like something that I might have lived. So I picked up that book. It's all about UFOs. And, you know, Jimmy Carter reported, President Jimmy Peanut Carter reported a UFO that appeared at his, at his backyard party in Plains, Georgia. But you can get this book now down at any, any bookstore, Timothy Goods Above Top Secret, and it tells it's all these government reports about these things that, of course, our government always denies. And, you know, the defense minister of, of Great Britain says uh, it's not unidentified flying objects. It's unexplained flying objects because we know that they're there. Well, now... The Mexican government has seemingly proved it, and the Defense Ministry of Mexico stands behind it. So, anyway, what about it? What about it? It's time for me to leave you with the rest of the day. I'll be back, same time, same station, same time. Be heavily armed with something to write with, and you'll be glad that you did. Now, you call Swiss America, 1-800-289-2646. Make him one. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold 
gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I am your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs everywhere. I was just taking a few seconds here to look at the new mobile-friendly web page for AVR. Now, I'm looking at it on my computer instead of on a mobile phone and such, but it looks like it would be uh, mobile phone-friendly. I'd I'd have to try... uh, try sometime later with my lady smartphone to uh, come on because it's the only mobile phone that does web that's in our home is her smartphone. Anyway, take a look at that and see how that works. It uh, looks pretty good from here. Anyway, today is Monday, January 11th, 2016 is the three o'clock hour here on the left coast. This is a live call-in show. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple. The number is 1-800-932-1980, or you may send an instant message via Yahoo Instant Messenger directly to me. The call, the uh, Yahoo Instant Messenger ID is my amateur radio call sign, KC7AQK, as is our want. Oh, Oh, of course, I almost forgot. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get ahead of myself here. As always, calling in is not required. 
thinking, however, is, and we still give that exemption to those members from Media Matters and the Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as all those government agents that are paid to listen into this show to try and twist and distort what I've said to be used against me. We've proven it in the past that they do it, and they continue to do it, so it's no surprise. Anyway, we don't require any of these people to think because that would create a hostile work environment, and we don't want to be responsible for an injury to their brain, uh, such as it is. So anyway, but for the rest of you, as is our want, we like to open this show with the wisdom of the ages, otherwise known as the dead white guy quote. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help, end quote. Yes, that is a repeat. I've said it many times, but it's the best quote I can think of for today's show. And thank you, President Reagan, for your wit and wisdom. We have 27 pages. Obviously, we're not going to get through all of it, but 27 pages. We will get through as much of it as we can, your calls, instant messages, etc., right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. Remember, my friends, my job is simple. It is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable, and I do it the same way you can do it, by asking questions. But as always, my friends, this is not NPR. This is not government-sponsored radio. It needs your support. Yes, I'm talking to you who's listening right now, because unless you're supporting this show and... Uh, most likely you are not whoever's listening to this show because uh uh you know everyone's getting really excited let, let me let me put this in a different perspective everyone's getting really excited about the lottery the big powerball lottery that's going on here in the United States right now where the jackpot i think is something like 1.4 billion dollars right now everyone's getting really excited but you know i get excited Every month when the report comes in showing the active feed streams of this show, and I just think about how if every one of the people that are possible, potential, probable listeners at each one of those nodes out there that's requesting a link to the backbone to, to listen to this show, if they just gave... 50 cents a month. 
it would be thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. I am not kidding here, my friends. It would be. That's how many people are. Somehow, they're requesting the the links to the nodes, but are you listening? Evidently, you're not if you're not supporting this show. Really, seriously, my friends. Seriously. There's that many people. Oh, wow. Boy, we're having some net problems here today. I hope that didn't disconnect. It says I'm still connected. Oh, boy. Anyway, let me get started. Top of the hit parade. 75% of Americans think the U.S. government is corrupt. Of course, my thing is, wow, 75% think it's corrupt. We have a major problem out there with 25% of the people. They're obviously not paying attention, but I digress. Mike Flynn reports saying, a shocking finding from a recent Gallup survey explains a great deal of the turmoil rolling through the presidential contest. A staggering 75% of Americans say that corruption is widespread throughout the government. The number saying the government is corrupt is up dramatically, almost 10 points since B.O. took office. This isn't just the cynicism of technophile citizens in the developed world. The number of Americans who view the government as corrupt is almost twice the number of Germans who believe their government is dirty. Residents of most developed European countries, in fact, have a much more favorable views about corruptions in their governments. Unsurprisingly, Americans are also upset about this. Last week, Breitbart News reported on a recent CNN poll that found a strong majority of Americans dissatisfied and angry with the way the country is being governed. Carolyn May wrote, as CNN reports, the new survey found that 75% of Americans say they are dissatisfied with the way the nation is being governed, and 69% are somewhat angry about the way things are going on in the country. While majorities in both sides of the political aisle expressed these sentiments, according to the CNN poll, Republicans were more likely than Democrats to be dissatisfied and angry with the country's governance, with 90% of Republicans expressing dissatisfaction and 82% saying they are angry. May then pointed out that this sentiment was most pronounced among supporters of Donald Trump, almost universally. Uh... The uh, hang on, I'm getting an message. The, uh, those are them terrorist citizens. Yes, of course, terrorist citizens. Yes, uh, absolutely. You know, angry, angry. So anyway, where was I? Uh, da, 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 angry. Uh, many pundits ca- have cast doubts on whether Trump's supporters would show up at the polls when primary voting begins. The CNN findings suggest that turnout won't be an issue for the Trump campaign. Anger is one of the most effective turnout mechanisms. Of course, anger is only one part of that equation. Voting turnout has fallen the last two elections. The key variable is whether voters believe there is an election choice that will give them vent to their anger. Jim Clifton, chairman and CEO of Gallup, noted this on Wednesday, saying... The last presidential election had an estimated 5 million fewer voters than turned out in 2008, and the 2014 midterm election saw the lowest turnout in 72 years at only 36.3%. At alarming levels, citizens 
when invited to participate directly in their own democracy, are taking a pass and staying home or taking their frustrations to the streets. The perception that there's widespread corruption in the national government could be a system symptom of citizen disengagement and anger, or it could be a cause, we don't know, um, the, as the Gallup president said, and he continued, but it's very possible this is a big, dark cloud that hangs over this country's progress, and it might be fueling the rise of an unlikely, non-traditional leading Republican candidate for the presidency, i.e. one Donald Trump. Well, the only other Republican candidate to base any part of their campaign on a direct attack on Washington is Senator Ted Cruz. It isn't surprising, then, that his numbers have been steadily climbing in recent weeks. The candidates most tied to the political governing class, i.e. Jeb Bush, John Kasich, and Chris Christie, have failed to garner much national support. Florida Senator Mark Rubio has played both sides of the equation to miss mixed results. Clifton, that is the president of, of Gallup, notes saying, This sense of corruption probably contributes to much of the extreme anxiety and unrest we see today, including protests, lower voter turnout, and increased interest in guns. Hmm. Every election is usually described as the most crucial in our nation's political history. A little hyperbole to get people engaged is understandable. This election, however, may live up to the traditional billing. The economic recovery, quote-unquote, is the weakest in modern times. A new crisis or brush fire seems to break out somewhere in the world every week. Whatever one's views on immigration, there's a real sense that the country has absolutely no control over who migrates here. Moreover, the overwhelming majority of Americans view the government as corrupt. So, 2016 may actually be Americans' existential election. Hmm. Very, very interesting, eh? Yeah. Now, from the See, I told you so files. My friends, as I said last week, those of you that were listening, I started to count up from last year the number of times I reported on things that I told you were going to happen. And I said, just watch. These things are going to happen. And the number of times I gave up counting when I got to February, just the first four weeks of last year, and counted 29 things that I told you about in the past that had come true. Well, here's another one, my friends. Remember I told you, I believe it was Earth Day two years ago, or two or three years ago, on the Earth Day special that I ran Two or three years ago, I told you that the steam was running out on the term climate change. I told you and I reminded you how first it was global warming, then it was global cooling, then it's the 
climate change. I said, the steam is running out on this. Be wary and keep your heads up and keep watching because a new term will come out to get people enraged and and fired up, but it will be the same old, same old. Well, lordy, 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 looky here. A new term has come up. Headline, Earth enters new geological era. Humans accelerated climate change and pushed nature into a new geological epoch, the Anthropocene. There it is, my friends. Humans have pushed the earth into this new geological era. And like I said, it's going to be called the Anthropocene. And it is the result, oh my goodness, the result of accelerated climate change brought on by rapid urbanization, pollution, and accelerated use of natural resources concluded these scientists in a new study. Yep, scientists have claimed that humans have eroded the earth so much that they are responsible for pushing it into a new chapter of geological history. Incidentally, it had begun in the early 1950s by itself, but the changeover is fairly recent. Scientists now have, oh, definitive proof that humans have permanently altered the earth through the widespread use of concrete, aluminum, plastic, and nuclear weapons, as well as the burning of coal and gas, reported the Tech Times. Well, to date, there were mere indicators that humans have been leaving traces of their actions on the earth. However, with the findings of the new study, geoscientists have gathered Here's the term again. Remember, they always use this, my friends. Here it is. Overwhelming evidence that humans have permanently and irreversibly altered the whole Earth system. Yeah. Wow. I told you this is coming. I told you, I told you, and I had so many naysayers out there. Oh, Roy, you're just being alarmist. Will you stop being so alarmist out there? They, 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 this, they'll die with, with gl- climate change. Just watch, you'll die and it will go away. Well, yeah, that's what I was trying to tell you. Global Uh, Climate change will die and go away and be renamed, and here it is, uh, the new geological era, you know, an epoch. We've gone from the little teeny bit of global warming here and global warming there to a little bit more global cooling here and global cooling there to even more climate change here and climate change there. Now it's an epoch, my friends. An epoch of geological history, you know, like the Stone Age, etc., you know? Yeah. See, for the past 11,700 years, 
Earth was going through what was known as the Holocene Epoch, according to the Daily Mail, a relatively mild geological era. The Holocene can be characterized by the remarkably stable weather patterns and the distinctive lack of Earth-altering phenomenon. You know, like an asteroid strike, abnormal temperature rise, or sub-zero temperatures. These milder times have invariably helped the dominant species, i.e., us humans, to evolve at an unhindered and remarkably accelerated pace. Well, from the basics of human settlements to the modern civilizations, the Holocene Epoch has been instrumental in helping humans thrive on Earth. It was during this time that humans developed, mastered, and have begun to use the art of agriculture to increase food production for the ever-increasing population. Then they built lasting us humans, you know, we built lasting urban settlements and became quite adept at leaching water, mineral, and energy resources of the planet, yeah, et cetera, right? You see where this all goes, you see? And then, then come the scientists. Scientists believe that this is a time of rapid environmental change. Notice, rapid environmental change, but the whole 11,700 years of the Holocene epoch was stable and, and unchanging for 11,700 years. I love how now they come out and admit for the last 11,700 years, things have been stable, but now, but now, oh, here it is, my friends, the Anthropocene Epoch. By the way, if you haven't figured it out, Anthropo means we caused it, us humans caused it, my friends. That's what Anthropo means, in case you hadn't figured that out. And here we are. We've caused an irreversible change upon the face of the planet. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! The sky is falling! The sky is falling! We have to do something about this! 11,700 years of the Holocene Epoch has been level and stable, and then all of a sudden, this new epoch starts, and we've got to do something, because we've irreversibly changed the planet. Are you, are you getting it yet? Are, are you mad yet? Are you awake yet? Hell, tap, 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 is this thing on? Are you getting it, my friends? I told you this was coming. I told you that they would come up with something new, that it would be a step change from one world to another that justifies their, their change, my friends. I told you this would be coming. And people poo-pooed. Oh, you're just being alarmist, Roy. You're just, you're just going off on things that you just don't understand. You don't understand because you're not a scientist. You don't understand because, well, you just study law. What does law have to do with anything about the environment? You just don't understand. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Keep telling me I don't understand. And I make predictions like this, and they come true. Hmm? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, incidentally, 
Incidentally, in case you missed it, scientists are blaming the sudden spike in nuclear weapons testing that has accelerated this phenomenon of the Earth entering this new geological era, you know, the anthropogenic era. Yeah. Yeah. You see, my friends, if these people were to walk a straight course, that is, if they were really serious, really, really, really serious about so-called global warming and wanted to, or climate change, etc., if they were really, really serious, my friends, about this, and they wanted to reduce the carbon emissions that are being put into the atmosphere by man, you know what they would be pushing harder than anything else? Yeah, you over there with your hand up. What is it? You're absolutely right. They would be pushing nonstop for many nuclear electrical power generators like have been developed and, as I told you about, developed and patented trailer portable. That is, they'd be able to be put on your average over-the-road truck trailers and shipped around the country many nuclear reactors. Yeah, they'd only be able to service you know, small to a single one, only small to medium-sized towns like the one I live in right now, but you put two or three of them around a larger city, like, say, the third largest city in, in Oregon, um, which I believe is Salem, uh, or Salem second and Eugene is third. I can't remember. I get them too mixed up. But you, you, three or four of them could service... M- 80 to 90 percent of the third largest city in in Oregon, three or four of them, which serve, like I said, 80 percent of the needs. But no, no, that's nuclear energy. We can't use that. But gee whiz, they then blame nuclear weapons for causing this? What? What? They're crazy, my friends. They're crazy. That's all I have to say. Okay. Um, you get ready, my friends. When we come back from the upcoming um, break, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's going on in Germany. Why? Because it's coming here, my friends. This kind of insanity that's going on in Germany that you're not going to hear from the lamestream media here in this country. You're not going to hear about this. But it's coming to this country. And you should be scared really scared of this my friends and wake up so you stay tuned we will be right back on the american voice radio network don't go anywhere
Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men fainting from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and fish die-off, the rise of the 8.0 and greater earthquake, the coming one world government, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net. www.lamarzuli.net. These are the Days of Chaos. On the American Voice Radio Network, I'm your host, Amroy Van Schettler. And as I told you at the beginning of the, or uh, just before the break there, if you've only been paying attention to the lamestream media, the LSM in America, you wouldn't know a thing about the mass gang rapes, the robberies, and the assaults on German women by Muslim males on New York New Year's Eve. It's only trickling out to the American consciousness by dribs and drabs. Where 
are the feminists on this? Where are the champions of the underclass? You know, the socialists, where are they on this? Did you know, my friends, if you was only paying attention to the lamestream media, did you know that in the city of Cologne in Germany, there were only 147 police out on, to cover the entire city on New Year's Eve, but when tensions <clears throat> ran high over the anti-rape protests, well, the leaders of the city then assigned over 50 1,500 police just to cover the protests. And then what did they do, those police? Well, they shot water cannons at their own people for protesting the Muslim criminals. Go figure, my friends. Oh, by the way, before I forget, um, you people that listen to this show from the Rush Limbaugh show, now that I've talked about anthropocentric epoch and, and uh, that it's coming out now, now you can start talking about it. Yeah, my friends, it, it happens so often. I talk about things on this show, and the next day or a day later or sometime later on in the week, for the first time, Rush starts talking about it. It's, uh, it's just amazing how often that happens. And also this story here, you know, Rush, you, your people. People, you might want to be talking about this, too, here. So, anyway, I digress. Uh, from um, uh, Al- Alistair uh, from Breitbart reporting January 10th, uh, Jim Hoft reports at the Gateway Pundit that people across Germany are protesting the rapes which took place on New Year's Eve at the hands of Muslim immigrants. What you may not have heard is that the German government is cracking down on their own people for protesting and even turned water cannons on their citizens. The Empress UK reports it this way. Police fire water cannons at Cologne protesters as anger over New Year's Eve sex attacks boils over. Around 1,000 men of, quote, North African and Arabic, end quote, appearance formed gangs to rob, rape, and assault women in the German town of Cologne. Members of the, quote, unquote, far-right group Pegida, P-E-G-I-D-A, were among those who took to the streets of the German city to march against the attacks and also express outrage and an alleged cover-up by police and media organizations over the involvement of migrants. Well, right there, my friends, they call them the far-right group. Already, you know, right there, you know, hello, police were said, to have turned on the water cannon on members of the, of, here again, right-wing group after a standoff with officers threatened to boil over. Notice how the protesters, as I said, my friends, are described as right-wing and far-right, but the politicians who are responsible are never labeled as left-wing or far-left. So question, again, my friends, why aren't Feminist groups protesting over the mistreatment of German women. Well, okay. Think about that, my friends. I'm going to cover a little bit more later. I'm not going to give it to you all in one big lump. I'm going to spread it out a little bit here. So let's switch gears to something else. While the world sleeps, 
This little bit happened. I'll bet you didn't hear about this in the lamestream media either. Obama to transfer 17 Gitmo detainees, including al-Qaeda followers. Mm-hmm. Yep. As early as this week, or actually last week, my friends, is I've been sitting on this story for two weeks watching to see what's going on because I wanted to see if anything came out. And it's like, okay, nothing's come out. I'll talk about it. So last week, what happened? 17 detainees cleared for release from the Guantanamo Bay prison by a board established by the president. Secretary of Defense Ash Carter told lawmakers back in December that 17 Gitmo prisoners would be sent to other countries in January. A source who has reportedly reviewed the list of individuals who are supposed to be moved out told Fox News, who sat on it, that the group of 17 includes, quote-unquote, bad guys and al-Qaeda followers, quote-unquote, without revealing the identities of the prisoners. CNN reported briefly on the upcoming transfer, but then again, this CNN and, you know, only people watching that are at airports and trapped in hotel lobbies waiting to get checked in and such. But CNN reported on the upcoming transfer, citing an anonymous senior U.S. official who spoke on condition of anonymity because the information is not yet public, that the American official, quote, did not disclose the exact number who will first be transferred to their destination, um, but little is known, this is a quote again, little is known publicly about the prisoners who are being prepared for transfer, but the BO administration has notified Congress it plans to ship out 17 detainees, some of whom could be transferred within days, end quote. Well, Fox News quipped their source as saying that the group of prisoners to be transferred includes, quote, multiple get bad guys, not taxi drivers and cooks, end quote. Uh-huh. Well, in 2012, the BO administration cleared for transfer Abrimum Alcozi to Sudan. Remember that? And although he entered a reintegration program, the one-time cook for Osama bin Laden, scrammed his butt over to Yemen, where he is now engaged with al-Qaeda leadership. Uh-huh. Uh, Fox News said, that transfer is now said to be a source of considerable heartburn for the B.O. administration. Really? Huh. Doesn't seem to be, because he's still doing it, my friends. Now, we know that B.O. is about to shut down this military prison since he came to office in 2009. And it's been met with a little bit of resistance in Congress. And during his year-end address, the president said that the detention center, quote, continues to be one of the key magnets for jihadi recruitment, end quote. Wait a second here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second here. The detention center continues to be one of the key magnets for jihadi recruitment. Yet he's releasing the people that are being recruited to the jihad from there. Hmm. Wait a second here. This, are, are you getting this, my friends? Are you getting this? Oh, boy. Um, the Middle East Research Institute, memory in other words, which tracks propaganda disseminated by jihadists, argued that terrorist groups are no longer using Gitmo as a recruitment tool. 
So the president says they are, but the people researching them say they aren't. Hmm. Well, let's hear what the people researching them have to say. Quote, the topic of Gitmo prisoners appeared rather frequently in al-Qaeda's propaganda in past years. However, the topic has received little to no attention in the last year or two. Gitmo hasn't received much attention in official ISIS releases, end quote. Ah, hmm. They go on to say, multiple countries have agreed to take the men in small groups, and the source says that some of the countries were so-called first-timers, a reference to the fact that these countries had not taken Gitmo detainees in the past, the report said. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, What can I say, my friends? The whole thing is just a giant uh, cluster um, of... uh, foobar. There we go. Yeah, a, a giant foobar. There, there. I was trying to think of some some way to say it where I, I wouldn't have to require to bleep myself, my friends. But there you go. It's it's just oh, it's just mangled beyond recognition. Now, moving. Oh, we got an instant message. Let's see what we got here. Maybe it was a better term that I could use. Wait a minute. If this is the case, then the response then shouldn't be the U.S. be releasing prisoners from American prisons as they are being recruited into crime? Oh, I was wondering, I was wondering if anyone would pick up on that. I was, I noticed I didn't say anything. I didn't bring it up. I just was waiting, I, waiting for someone to come up. And uh, it was just about now that I was going to say, I wonder if anyone else can figure out the alternate ramifications, but I got beaten to the punch. Yes, exactly. You know, if that's the reason for releasing these 17 because it's a recruiting magnet for jihadi, then gee whiz, that should be the same logic to empty out U.S. prisons because they're a recruiting magnet for gangs and other criminal activities. Hmm? I mean, hello? If you're going to use that logic one place, you should be able to use it another, right? Hmm? Yeah, exactly. Okay, there. Now, in other news, do you remember that photo? I've got a picture of the photo here in the, in the newsletter here. That photo of the bespeckled woman, angry face, pointing her finger to the reporters and saying, you got to get out of here, and we need some muscle to get these reporters out of here at, at Mizzou. Remember that? The, the Mizzou? Well, that picture turns out was Mizzou professor Melissa Click. Yeah. Well, guess what? Didn't hear about this, I'll bet. Lawmakers now want Mizzou professor Melissa Click fired for the photographer clash. Yeah. She was the one who famously asked for some muscle, as I said, to move a student journalist away from protesters during the so-called anti-racism protests in November. Well, lawmakers are calling for her to be fired 
and a group of more than 100 Republicans in the General Assembly in Missouri have demanded this. In a letter to the MU Board of Curators, the lawmakers called for the immediate firing of Click, an assistant communications professor at the University of Missouri Columbia. The lawmakers accused Click of grabbing the student journalist's camera and calling on those around her to quote-unquote bring some muscle to remove the photographer and other reporters from the area. A video featuring her went viral and garnered national attention, quote, as a professional representing our university, Click failed to meet the obligation she has to her superiors, fellow professors, university students, and the taxpayers of Missouri, the letter from the state legislator said. Instead of promoting a safe and stable learning environment, Click's actions, quote, served to inflame an already caustic situation that was clearly out of line, end quote, the letter said. Click also already has resigned as a courtesy appointment at MU School of Journalism, but the lawmakers want her gone altogether. Her actions, according to the letter, said, quote, completely disregarded the First Amendment rights of reporters, end quote. And it was signed by, as I said, more than 100 House members and 18 senators. And MU reportedly isn't commenting, referring to the matter as a personnel issue. Yeah, you see, this is the way they're going to sweep it under the rug, my friends. You see, it's, it's a personnel issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of personnel issues, have you heard now about how um, Monica Lewinsky's ex-boyfriend is going to be on the campaign trail for Hitlery? Well, it's uh, raised some interesting points, especially since Hitlery tweeted out that recent tweet that I told you about where she said that all victims of sexual assault must be believed and supported. Remember, she sent that tweet out about they must be believed and supported. Well, hmm, bombshell claim here that more Clinton sexual assault victims are about to come Forward, yeah. Since returning to the campaign trail as an advocate for Hillary, Bill Clinton has been harried by renewed interest in his past sexual misconduct, as well as Hillary's alleged role in intimidating his victims into silence. Roger Stone, author of the New York Times bestselling The Clinton's War on Women, claims that he has personal knowledge of previously unknown victims who are preparing to come forward with accusations against the former president. He writes and says, I identified 24 women who've been assaulted by Bill Clinton. Now some of these women are still terrified. Some of them have had IRS audits. Some of them have had their families threatened, but others have come forward. 
Sean Hannity asked in the interview when when Stone said this, said Sean Hannity asked, said, are you saying there's women whose names we don't know that are mentioned in your book or not mentioned in your book? They're going to come forward and start telling their stories. Stone responded saying, yes. I think it's very probable. Not all of them, because some of them are still terrified. Their families have been threatened. Their lives have been threatened. Hannity came back and said, are we talking about affairs? Are we talking about assaults? Stone declared, saying, we're talking about assaults. I don't want to get out ahead of myself, but I think as Broderick and Kathleen Wiley and Jones speak out, other women are encouraged to who have been assaulted, who have been threatened by Hillary, are encouraged by the courage of these three women. Hmm. Interesting. Now let's move on to the other socialist. Have you heard? Bernie Sanders and his wife moved money from campaign and nonprofits to his family and friends. Say it isn't so. No. Democrat president candidate Bernie Sanders and his wife, Jane, apparently moved some cash from his campaign and nonprofit organization to some of his close family, friends and mem- family members and friends. So, you know what? I guess it's true after all. Socialism really is at its core, completely and totally immoral. Yep. From the Washington Free Beacon, we read, The payments benefited the wife of the Democratic presidential candidate, his stepdaughter, and the son of a former colleague in city government, whom Sanders has described as a close friend. Sanders, a self-described socialist, is now running for the presidency on an anti-corruption platform, decrying public officials' attempts to use their positions for financial gain. Following 16 years as a member of the House, Sanders was elected to the Senate in 2006. His political campaigns were an early vehicle for payments to his family members. According to Jane O'Mara, Sanders, the senator's wife, Sanders' house campaign, paid her more than 90 grand for consulting and, and ad placement services from 2002 to 2004, and she pocketed about 30 grand of that money. Now, we have an instant message here. What do we got here? Hey, wait, I thought commies and socialists didn't care for money. Or is it that they just don't care for the rest of us to have any money? Yeah, you're getting, you're getting the idea. You're getting the idea here, my friends. Uh, this, is, this is what's going on now. Where was we? Oh, yes. Her daughter, Carolina Driscoll, Sanders' stepdaughter, that is, also drew a salary from the campaign. She was paid more than sixty-five grand between 2000 and 2004, according to his mother. After working for the campaign, the senator's wife would come under scrutiny for expenditures at Burlington College, where she was hired as president in 2004. While she led the school, it paid six-figure sums to her daughter and the son of a family friend. Okay, that's the end of the Washington Free Beacon report. So, The plot thickens. 
From there, it seems, the son of this family friend purchased a resort and then suddenly began getting rather large checks from Burlington College for an all-inclusive stays for students studying abroad. Hmm. See? Now, while the GOP might be chock full of candidates, at least we have a variety of different folk to choose from. Well, that is, all the Democrats have to pick from are corrupt politicians and crooks. So Sanders and Clinton are basically two sides of the same coin. So anyone who's voting for the wacky socialist to avoid pulling the lever for Hillary just has had a harsh dose of reality dropped on them. You know, this is just further proof that Sanders has no place anywhere near the Oval Office. Just so you know. Okay, I've got enough time to get this started, but not enough time to finish it. So I will get it started here. There's this stupid meme going around, my friends, on executive orders. Well, I'm going to tell you about that meme and how it is paper-thin stupid. See, for the simple-minded, this argument might work. And the argument is this. Obama has issued fewer executive orders than many preceding presidents. Liberals are circulating a meme stating as such. And this is the way the meme reads, my friends. It starts out, FDR issued 3,522 executive orders. Wilson, 1,803. Eisenhower, 484. Reagan, 381. George W. Bush, 291. And then there's Barack Obama, who has issued 175, just 25 of which are from his second term. But of course, the meme continues, but of course, only Obama's is an unprecedented abuse of power. That's Republican logic. Thus ends the meme. Well, This may be true, that B.O. has issued fewer executive orders than his predecessors, but that's not the point. It's all about what the executive orders do. Executive orders that establish a National Mathematics Advisory Panel are not on a par with orders deliberately defying Congress and the Constitution, like, for example, Obama's recent gun control orders. It's about the nature of the executive orders themselves that demonstrates the lawlessness of the administration. Barack Obama's executive orders are uniquely anti-democratic. He has said so himself. Remember, if Congress won't act, I will. I've got a pen and a phone. You know, it's the old we-can't-wait clause in the Constitution, right? Wrong. Congress is not required to act on anything. Whether they take any action or not is a demonstration of their intent. And by bypassing Congress's intent, Obama's executive orders are de facto authoritarian. His authoritarianism bent goes way beyond executive orders, however. This president uses memoranda 
as a subterfuge. He has issued more directives using presidential memoranda than any other commander-in-chief in the United States history. USA Today reported it. Well, I'll tell you how USA Today reported it on the other side of the break, because I don't want to break this up in half, my friends. This is good enough that it needs to be all in its own self, okay? So, here, get your pen and paper ready, because I'll tell you exactly how these memoranda work. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere 
with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Warning. If you're here to feel good about government, if you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This is a proper place where those beliefs need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. You best bring facts to the discussion. And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusader Show. It's still Monday, January 11th, 2016. It is the 4 o'clock hour off here on the left coast. If you're listening to some other time zone, obviously you're going to have to adjust your clocks accordingly. Uh, to, uh, why do I say that? So you can be in sync with the show, of course. How's that for egocentric for you? Anyway, seriously, this is a live call-in show. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple, 1-800-932-1980. Of course, we still give an exemption to those members of Media Matters and Southern Poverty Law Center, um, as well as those government agents that listen to this show, because after all, calling in is not required. Thinking, however, is, and we give that exemption to those people that uh, that I mentioned a few seconds ago, because if we required them to think, that would require them to have a hostile work environment. We don't want to be responsible for that. You may also send an instant messenger to your host via Yahoo Instant Messenger. The ID is the same as it's been for a long time, KC7AQK. Now, at the end of the last hour, I was going over executive order and executive memoranda and I was I brought up a meme that is being promulgated by the DNC about the number of executive orders that BO has done and that meme has gotten a little dated because I've been re- reminded that at this point BO has issued 190 Five executive orders and 198 presidential memoranda. I'm also reminded, so I'm going to use this reminder as a point to remind you that like executive orders, presidential memoranda don't require action by Congress. So they have the same force of law as an executive order. Uh, and they are as far-reaching, the memoranda do, but, but Congress controls the purse strings if they would exercise it. But that would require them to form a budget, something that hasn't been done in a long, long, long time, my friends. And that is they have to propose a budget and say, okay, government, 
you can only spend this amount of money, and you can only spend this amount of money, and you over there in the Army, you can only spend this amount of money, and you over there in the Navy, you can only spend this amount of money, and you over there in the Department of Energy can only spend this amount of money, et cetera, et cetera. And, and only on these things that we budget out. You can only do it on these things we budget out. And if you start spending money in other areas that we've not given you permission to through this budget, then we're going to cut your funding altogether. But they don't do that anymore, my friends, because if they did, well, we wouldn't have government growing like it's growing. Okay, so. As I promised you, I was going to talk about the USA Today and how they talked about executive orders and executive memoranda, okay? This is the way the USA put it. Quote, like executive orders, presidential memoranda don't require action by Congress. They have the same force of law as executive orders and often have consequences just as far-reaching, as I just said a few moments ago. And some of the most significant actions of the Obama presidency have not come by executive order, but by presidential memoranda. Obama has made prolific use of memoranda despite his own claims that he's used his executive power less than other presidents. Um, this is what B.O. said, quote, the truth is, even with all the actions I've taken this year, I'm issuing executive orders at the lowest rate in more than 100 years, B.O. said in a speech in Austin in July 2013, and then concluded, so it's not clear how it is that Republicans don't seem to mind when President Bush took more executive actions than I did, end quote. Well, since these memoranda, as I said earlier, are the functional equivalent of an executive order, they just seem, well, a little less tyrannical, right? You know, but a dictator by any other name, right? You know, right? You know, a rose is a rose is a rose, but by any other name, well, it would smell so sweet. Hmm, yeah, exactly. You got it. You got it, my friends. Okay, <clears throat> I opened up the show talking a little bit about what's going on in Europe, specifically Germany. Now let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Norway. Why? Why am I talking about these things in, in Europe, my friends? Because of why it's happening, and it's coming here to this country Norway, Oslo police saying, we have lost the city. To whom? We've lost it to the Muslims. Yeah, the police are saying that Groenland is more Muslim than Morocco, and Europe is bringing in millions more. Oslo police saying, you know, that we've lost the city. And Procori News in December 31st of last year said that they talked about the apocalyptic level. These were their words, my friends, the apocalyptic level of culturally enriched violence in Groenland, a district of the city of Oslo. And Groenland is only two subway stops from the parliament and one from the central station, fairly close to the government offices that were bombed by Brevik. Well, it looks like Karachi, Basra, and Mogadishu all rolled into one. 
people selling drugs openly just next to the Gronland subway station. And it's not Norway or Europe anymore, except when there is welfare money to be collected. The police have largely given up. Early in 2010, Oftenposten, remember that name, my friends, Oftenposten stated that there are Sharia patrols in the area and gay couples are assaulted and chased away. The immigrant Fatima Tatoni says that Groenland is more Muslim than Morocco. Hmm. Well, you listeners out there should remember, if you don't know it already, you should know it, but if you do know it, you should remember that Oftenposten is the largest newspaper in the Oslo region and is normally pro-Islamic and considers itself very multicultural. Well, in this article that I have here, we have a picture of victim number 351 this year, my friends. And this this article is dated, hang on, i got to go back and make sure what the date was. Uh, January 5th, my friends, in five days, 351 violent robberies in just this one little section of the town. We have a picture here of robbery victim number 351, and he did not suspect any danger. His name is given. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. And he did not suspect any danger when the barrel of a pistol was smashed into his forehead. And that was the beginning of 50 minutes of hell as, a, as he was held hostage by the robbers. And women are also being raped at night in Oslo, and the men are robbed more than ever. And in just the past 10 years, more than 4,000 people have been robbed in the town center and the area of the Gronland police station, which is an immigrant ghetto. And most of these people living there are young men. The robbery victim, that's 351 from Gronland, and in the same period in which about 50 assault rates have been reported in Oslo, and the robbers play on fear, violence, and severe threats that leave a mark on the victims, and police superintendent describes them as somewhat forgotten victims, yes. And the police visited with people in the emergency room, you know, and after all, they got to pay some kind of visit to them, and they told the, these people that the gang of robbers had committed many similar robberies in, in Grolaka, whatever that is, in surrounding areas in the past three weeks, and they told tell them that everybody should have the right to feel safe, but they had no way of halting the robberies. Instead, they said, we've lost the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how they lost the city, my friends? Well, let's go back to Germany. How they lost the city? Cologne mayor, the mayor of Cologne. She's describing exactly how they've lost it. She says, maybe the women were to blame for New Year's Eve rapes. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh, that's pretty good. Let's see what she has to say. The left this mayor of Cologne has come under fire for apparently blaming German women for being molested by Arab and North African men during the New Year's Eve party in her city. Instead of calling for an end to mass immigration and more tools to force migrants to assimilate to German society, Mayor Henrique Rieker said in a speech that women just have to be better prepared when they go out in public. 
This means, according to the mayor, that they should go out and have fun, but they need to be better prepared, especially with Cologne Carnival coming up. And for this, she said, we will publish online guidelines that these young women can read through to prepare themselves. You know, is this woman brain dead or what? Be better prepared? How? Let me guess. Let me guess. I, I get it. I get it right now. Let, let me guess. Here we go. Let me see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my hand up on my forehead here, and I'm, I'm thinking really, really hard, my friends. I got it. By dressing themselves more modestly. That's what they need to do. In other words, no more short skirts or high heels, because after all, we know that all women who dress attractively are, they're just asking for it, right? Well, here's an idea. Instead of telling women to prepare themselves when they go out, Reekers should tell immigrants with barbarian views on women to get the hell out of her city. They are the problem, not German women who dress beautifully for the occasion, who want to attend a party in their own country. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh I, I see. I saw part of that. Yes, uh, we got instant message here. If a man was saying this, the woman would be scream. The women would be screaming sexism. Of course, of course. Oh, and here's another instant message. Um, uh, more than that, prepare to be raped is what she means. Better if the Muslims leave. Yes, exactly. Yes, all right. Okay, okay, okay. I, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. You can stop the messages. Yes. Exactly. You're getting the idea here, my friends. Exactly. Exactly what's going on. So, remember how I said at the beginning of this show, when I started out, I asked, where are the feminists on all of this? Well, I found their voice from a feminist blogger. And this is what this feminist blogger had to say as an answer to all of this. Are you ready, my friends? Trust me, you're not ready. Don't worry, you're not ready. I don't care how ready you think you are, you're not ready for this. Here we go. Megan Murphy, the pronounced feminist blogger, says it's time to consider a curfew for men. Yeah, she writes and says, you've had your chance, be penised ones, and you've blown it. What you've proven time and time again is that you cannot be trusted to behave yourselves after dark. In Germany, about 1,000 men are reported to have arrived to the Cologne Cathedral area on New Year's Eve, intending to sexually assault and mug as many women as possible. The CBC reports, quote, some 121 women are reported to have been robbed, threatened, or sexually molested there by gangs of mostly drunk men between 18 and 35 years old while out celebrating. Similar attacks took place in Hamburg and Stuttgart as well. One victim told NTV in Germany, quote, 
At around 11 p.m., we were at the main train station and wanted to travel on to see the fireworks. And that there was, we first noticed all these men standing around. We managed to go to the cathedral and wanted to go past the Museum Ludwig to join everyone and watch the fireworks by the river. But suddenly we were surrounded by a group of between 20 and 30 men. They were full of anger, and we had to make sure that none of us were pulled away by them. They were groping us, and we were trying to get away as quickly as possible, end quote. Yes, uh, of course, of course, you are noticing. I notice you've noticed that this feminist blogger only talks to men leaving out the Middle Eastern North African men. No, no, just men, period. Exactly, you're getting it. Okay. Another victim said, quote, I was groped everywhere. It was a nightmare. Although we shouted and beat them, the guys did not stop. I was desperate, and I think I was touched around 100 times in the 200 meters. Fortunately, I wore a jacket and trousers. A skirt would probably have been torn away from me, end quote. Well, the feminist blogger goes on to say, after a series of assaults on campuses at UBC, the general public, let's call them women, why don't we, were warned to, quote, remain extra vigilant of their surroundings and take every precaution to enhance their personal safety. When walking alone or at night, or alternatively, have a campus escort accompany them to their destination. Hmm. Hmm. Who would be the campus escort? It would be a man. Yeah. Oh. Oh, so men are good for escorts, but they're not good at keeping their penis in their pants. Is that... Wait a second, feminist blogger. I'm, I'm having a little difficulty understanding this. Could could you explain this? Uh, what? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't hear you. Uh, what? Uh, what? That's right. Crickets chirping, my friends. Anyway, the feminist blogger goes on talking about the rape culture. All these things that have been debunked and, and, and proven false, the rape culture at colleges and women who are huddling with their car keys as they're walking along and, and uh, any sound outside their window because they're going to be raped and assaulted, etc. And they're all so helpless that that is why now, all of a sudden, The only solution is a curfew for men. Yes. Yeah, she says, you know, that's what she says. And she then asks, what real impact would a curfew have? Well, certainly it would send the message that we are taking men's behavior seriously and it is no longer acceptable. Certainly, it would allow women to move about more safely at night on campus, in their homes, at bars, at the bus stop. And certainly, it would name the problem. You could say unequivocally, quote, the problem is you, men. You are the problem, and therefore, it is you who must be stopped. Well, wait a second here. Wait a second here. Miss Feminist Blogger, what do you do about the 
49% of assaults and rapes that are committed by women. What, what about that, Miss Feminist Blogger? Yes, 49% of assaults and rapes, 49% of domestic violence instances, 49% of these are instigated and carried out by women. Oh, all of a sudden it's not a man thing anymore, is it? If we include the 49% of them who are women, it's no longer a man thing. Yes, a majority of men, 51%, but 49% instigated, carried out, and effectuated by women. But you're only calling for a curfew on men. Because, after all, as she says, a mass grounding. You're grounded. You can't go out. You're grounded. A mass grounding for men. That's what she says. And then after a designated period of time, she doesn't say how long this designated period of time is, by the way. She says, but after a designated period of time, we'll allow them back on the streets after dark to see how it goes. And if the sexual assaults and harassment continue, well, it's back to the curfew. And she concludes by saying, I mean, really, they asked for it. Again, what about the 49% that were women? Hmm? You know, that's, 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 that's all I really got to ask. You know, what about that, my friends? <sighs> well, I asked where are the feminists on this, and now we know where they're at. They are in a position that is metaphorically correct, but physiologically impossible, my friends. Oh, I have a question here. What about the 95% of men who have never assaulted a woman? Actually, I think that number's a little bit higher, but anyway, yeah, but what about them? Well, you know, obviously we're going to have to have some because they say we've got to have, uh, uh, what was the term, uh, campus um, safety guides? Well, I can't remember the exact term she said, but I have another instant message. Let's see what we have here. Um, it's like with guns. If you forbid guns, the only guns are in the criminal's hands. Therefore, grounds, ground men and the Muslims won't obey. The, the, oh, the men who are grounded and the Muslims won't obey. Yeah, the criminals, they won't obey. Neither will the 49% of women who commit 49% of the assaults out there. I, excuse me. Not 49% of women, but the women that commit the 49% of assaults there. That's the way I meant to say it. I apologize. I caught myself. Okay, so don't beat me up. I caught myself there. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay. I've got a few minutes here. Let's see how many links of interest I can get through here. i got 11 of them. Number 11, the epilogue to this, which is not in the story, and it's the, it's the story about the uh, Muslim man who uh, ambushes and shoots the Philadelphia cop several times, and, and he radios in saying, I'm shot, I'm bleeding heavily. Well, the epilogue to the story, which is not in this particular story, is that the cop, after being shot several times, he actually returns accurate gunfire. I found that very interesting and did very well 
after being shot several times, shattering his left arm. Having suffering with a shattered left arm myself, I can understand what he was going through, my friends. I cannot begin to describe the agony of how it feels to have a shattered left arm to you in words that would be allowable over the air. Anyway, number 10. 72 types of Americans that are considered potential terrorists in official government documents. I've shared this with you before, but here it is from another source. And in this one, the links seem to all be working. At least they were as of last week, my friends, uh, linking to the official government documents showing that if you are one of these 72 types of Americans, you are considered a potential terrorist. Number nine. More stories out of Germany. In addition to the government treating citizens as the enemy, we have Breitbart London reporting fight back German vigilante groups pledge to protect women against migrant sex assault in the cities. Mm-hmm. Of course, these are the ones that the water cannons are being turned on. Number eight, I can only sigh, my friends. This is why, for all the good he does, I keep telling you, that Cruz is nothing more than another status. Senator Cruz is who I'm talking about. He's another statist. So pay attention to the law school segment, and you'll understand why I say Cruz is just another status. This story is on how Cruz and Rubio are siding with the BLM over land grab in Oregon. Again, he's just another statist. Number seven... Breitbart's reporting Gorka on the Fox administration in fantasy land on national security. I have only one thing to say. Deplane! Deplane! Yes, there we go. That's all. Number six. This is why only a dozen people watch The View. Because Joy Behar has come out and said that she'd rather vote or she would vote for a rapist as long as they're liberal. As long as they're liberal, it's okay. It doesn't matter how many rapes and assaults they've done on women in the past. As long as they're liberal, it's okay. Number five, uh, Obama admits two-thirds of scary gun death statistics are suicide. And remember how this concession had to be drug out of him in the next day and since he seems to have forgotten it. Hmm, I wonder why. Yeah. Number four, Justin Amish reports and says, let's close the loophole. You know, uh, Obama keeps talking about loopholes for gun sales. Justin Amish comes back and says, let's close the loophole that lets the U.S. sell guns to Syrian rebels. Yeah, the libertarian congressman is responding to President Bio's executive orders, and that's how he did. Number three... Gary Johnson is to run for president in 2016. I have only one thing to say about effing time. It's about time a libertarian got in there and, and really show these statists for who they are, my, my friends, because they're, they're even, even Trump is a statist, just not as big a statist. And Cruz is a statist also, just not quite as big a statist as B.O., but still a statist. Number two... Remember that rash 
of black churches that were being torched by supposed white extremists. And remember how it turned out that most of the suspicious fires, and remember a whole bunch of non-suspicious fires were lumped in to inflate the numbers, and how they were set by leftist black men to stir up anger in the community. Remember? Well, looky here. The media is losing interest in Houston mosque arsons as a Muslim is charged with doing them. And finally, number one, more to back up the number one story that I talked about today, another story on the government named as the top U.S. problem for the second straight year, my friends. Okay, when we come back, we're going to have an in-depth examination on what really is happening with the BLM in regards to Oregon and also Texas, my friends. It's in-depth. You want to pay attention. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have 
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, I'm Roy Ben Shadler, and this is the time of the show that we call the Roy's School of Guerrilla Lawfare. That's L-A-W, for learn and win through better education. We tend to try to turn off the phones and turn off the instant messages and focus in long-form length on a specific subject or item and give you a more in-depth analysis and review of something that is possible from your basic soundbite information. And if you're getting your news from the lamestream media, well, then that's what you've been getting is just soundbite information, if you can call it information at all. But anyway, my friends, uh, I'm doing away with critical thinking segment for this week because after all, what I'm going to ask you to do is use your critical thinking skills on this law school segment. From the American conservative, a very uh, libertarian-leaning organization, Justin Ramado writes and saying, what the Oregon standoff is really about. He says, forget the Bundys, forget terrorism. The real crime is what federal bullies do to ranchers like the Hammond family. Now, in order to really understand this, you have to get into the weeds, my friends. And the weeds is just way too complicated for the lamestream media out there. But I don't care if it's complicated for them. Let's see how much of this story we can get into here. It's a, it's a long and detailed story, but once you start to understand the details, all of a sudden, the picture that's happening in Southern Oregon becomes very, very clear to you. Let's get started. <clears throat> the occupation of the Mulhair Wildlife Refuge in Burns, Oregon, by a group led by Ammon Bundy, yes, of those Bundys, was supposed to have focused attention on the plight of a rancher family that has been fighting a decades-long effort by federal officials to drive them off their land. Instead, this dramatic act of civil disobedience has done the opposite. Amid debates over the Bundy family, their tactics and ideology, the focus has been taken 
off the Hammond family and their struggle to preserve their land and their way of life and has been largely obscured. This is your host's attempt to correct that, my friends. Here is their story, the Hammond family story. Dwight Hammond and his wife Susan bought their ranch in 1964. The Hammond Ranch consisted of 6,000 acres. It consisted of grazing rights in four areas on public lands and rights at three separate water sources. They live in a small ranch house, a beautiful structure of stone and hand-hewn wood on that property. The land sits in Oregon's Harney Basin, an area first settled at the tail end of the 19th century. While the narrative we are getting in the so-called media depicts the ranchers as despoilers of the land, implacable enemies of the Malheur Wildlife Refuge, established by Teddy Roosevelt in 1908, the true history of the region shows that the quote-unquote cowboys who lived there and ran as many as 300,000 head of cattle were, in fact, its best defenders. Without them, there would be no Malheur Wildlife Refuge. Yes, you heard that right, my friends. As the cattlemen developed an elaborate irrigation system in order to feed their herds, what had been a huge swampland surrounding Malheur Lake was transformed into rolling meadows. Wildlife flocked to the area and it became a favored spot for migratory birds. In 1913, however... The Oregon State Legislature passed the Thompson Act, which authorized anyone who won approval from the land board to drain any lake and, quote-unquote, reclaim it for development. Drainage districts were established all over the state, and taxes were extracted from landowners in order to further approve development schemes. The Oregon Swampland Act created a, quote, reclamation service, end quote, which surveyed and facilitated the drainage of riparian areas applying for title to lands owned by the federal government, which would then be turned over to developers who envisioned selling plots for agricultural purposes. Well, as it turned out, however, the land around Malheur Lake was too salty for crops to grow, but since no one had bothered to investigate, this wasn't discovered until much later. Surprise, surprise. In 1913, the year the Thompson Act was passed, there were no fewer than eight attempts to drain Malheur Lake filed with the Reclamation Service. These efforts were thwarted by the ranchers. Yes, represented by the Pacific Livestock Company, who contested the water rights and fought the developers to a standstill. As Nancy Langston puts it in the book, Where Land and Water Meet, a Western Landscape Transformed, saying, quote, 
What saved the Malheur Refuge from being destroyed by drainage, along with other federal refuges, refuges in the region, were precisely its tangled water rights and the stubbornness of local ranchers, end quote. Yet, the federal officials who today preside over the refuge don't remember or, or don't dare to recall that it was the ranchers who saved the land from being despoiled, imbued with what can only be described as an imperialistic impulse, the feds have relentlessly sought to expand the refuge using every method, legal and illegal, to drive them off the land. As Ammon Bundy explains in his blog, in the 1970s, the Bureau of Land Management, BLM, and the Fish and Wildlife Service, FWS, launched their campaign of conquest, ranchers were informed that grazing was inimical to wildlife and had to be reduced, if not eliminated. Out of a total of 53 permits, 32 were outright revoked. Grazing fees were raised sky high. Why? Because, well, if they revoke 32 of the grazing and they still have to make the same amount of money, now the remaining ones have to pay all the money that they would have made from 53. So that's why the, the, the grazing fees were raised. And many ranchers were forced thereby to give up their land. The irrigation system they had created, which had attracted birds and other wildlife to the area, was appropriated by the refuge. While the original refuge established by Teddy Roosevelt included only Malheur Lake and neither the rivers whose water flowed into it nor most of the land surrounding it, today it now covers some 187 thousand acres completely surrounding the Hammonds Ranch. Those who held on, including the Hammonds, were continually pressured to sell, but the hard scrabble ranchers who had fought the developers, fought the state politicians, and fought the forces of nature to preserve their land and their way of life well, they were not about to surrender to an army of bureau rats and the urban elites who ran the environmentalist lobby. Their answer was a firm, no way, no how. Well, as 1980 rolled around, the feds came up with a new battle plan. Taking a leaf from the playbook of the Israelis who had seized Palestinian, Palestine's water and doled it out in dribs and drabs to their Palestinian helots, the FWS was keen to acquire privately owned land on the nearby Sylvie's Plain. So the refuge diverted the water, channeling it into Malheur Lake. Water levels then rose, soon doubling over and over 30 ranches on the plain were utterly destroyed. Homes, barns, and the verdant pastures on which cows once grazed were now underwater. 
This broke the back of the rancher resistance. Most came to the FWS and gave their land away for a song. It wasn't until 1989 that the waters began to recede. By then, the entire plain was in the grasping rights of the refuge. Still, the Hammonds refused to sell. And along with a few other holdouts, they began to develop a strategy of resistance. Susan Hammond, the matriarch of the family, began to research how the refuge managed its considerable resources. What she discovered was that the ostensible purpose of the refuge, that is, to provide a habitat for birds that might otherwise be endangered, was ill-served by refuge personnel. She dug out a 1975 study conducted by the FWS itself, which showed that the policies pursued by the refuge and allied federal bureaucracies were driving the birds away. It turned out that the private lands bordering the refuge provided a haven for four times as many geese and ducks as the federally held lands. Migrating birds turned up their beaks, so to speak, at the refuge and were 13 times more likely to alight and breed on the rancher's land. One of the reasons for this is that the federal overseers had allowed carp to take over the waters of Malheur Lake and the streams that fed into it. Massive numbers of carp have invaded and destroyed a habitat which once contained grasses and aquatic plants that provided birds and animals with a steady diet. No more. Oregon Public Broadcasting put it this way. Scientists say Malheur Lake once provided expansive habitat for waterfowl and other migratory birds along the Pacific Flyway. That was before the common carp was introduced to the lake. These fish are native to Eurasia. Malheur wildlife biologist Linda Beck says the common carp was brought to the lake as early as the 1920s, likely as a reliable food source for people living in this arid region. Now, the shallow Malheur Lake is mostly brown, open water, free from the plants that provide food, shelter, and nesting ground for the birds. The lake's estimated carp population runs in the millions. The refuge, the BLM, and the FWS profit from this disaster by hiring commercial fishermen to come in and catch the carp, which is then sold in areas of the country where immigrant community, for whom carp is a favored foodstuff, buy it. Forget the birds. It's the carp that bring in the money. Another big problem one which would come to figure prominently in the Hammond's legal problems is the invasion of junipers, which are crowding out other plant species and turning what once were fields maintained by ranchers who regularly cleared the land for grazing into forests. Junipers suck up water at an amazing rate, and the result is those fields have now turned into desert. 
For years, environmentalists objected to cutting down the junipers because it might encourage grazing on quote-unquote public lands. And the federal bureaucracy's no-use policies encouraged the juniper invasion, which has now covered over 6 million acres. Finally, the BLM got wise to the problem, but as with the carp invasion, they reacted far too late. This is another reason why the refuge is not popular with the bird population, who are losing their habitat and being driven out along with the ranchers. And it isn't just the junipers that are hogging all the water. In the early 1990s, the Hammonds applied for and were granted water rights in an area adjacent to the refuge by the state authorities. The BLM and FWS went ballistic, with the latter challenging the water rights in Oregon State Circuit Court. They lost. And that's when the bureaucrats really started going after the Hammonds. Not long after being told by a judge to back off, the BLM and FWS then fenced off the Hammonds' water, a brazenly illegal act. The Hammonds struck back, dismantling the fence. The feds called in the Harney County Sheriff, who arrested Dwight Hammond, charged with, quote, disturbing and interfering with federal officials, end quote, which is a felony, Dwight was jailed for two days. Brought before a federal judge, he was released without bail. The hearing was first postponed, and then it looks like the government was so embarrassed by the illegal actions of the BLM and FWS that they forgot to schedule another hearing date. The whole matter was dropped, but the feds had sent a message to the Hammonds that the government would not be bound by law. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Well, the lawless behavior escalated. Oh, who would have thunk it? The FWS declared that the Hammonds would no longer have access to a road that enabled them to get to the northern reaches of their land. The only road that went through the refuge. The road was barricaded, and FWS officials threatened Hammonds, warning that there would be consequences if they tried to use the road. But that tactic backfired in the Fed's faces when it was discovered that, surprise, 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 the road was owned by Harney County, not the refuge. Undeterred, the Energizer Bunnies of the federal bureaucracy revoked the Hammonds grazing permit without cause by bypassing any legal procedures. According to Oregon state law, the owners of livestock are not required to keep herds within a fence or control their movements, but the law doesn't apply to vindictive bureaucrats. A federal judge ordered the Hammonds either to fence their land or stop grazing. They were effectively forced to give up grazing on half their land. This was a major blow because it forced them to sell their ranch in order to feed their cattle. They purchased property with sufficient grass and with grazing rights on quote-unquote public land, and the government soon counterattacked, however, and the grazing rights were arbitrarily revoked. When the new owner of the Hammond Ranch suffered a heart attack, 
the Hammonds managed to reacquire it, but their battle was far from over. Indeed, it had just begun. In early fall 2001, the Hammonds called the local fire department and received permission for a controlled burn on their own property. This is a common method of controlling invasive growth. And in this case, it was aimed at getting rid of the junipers that were invading from the neighboring refuge, where little effort had been made to eradicate them and gaining a foothold on the Hammond Ranch. The fire burned out of control into the refuge land. The Hammonds put it out with no help from the BLM or refuge personnel. They didn't hear from the BLM or any other government agency until charges were brought 13 years later. Yes, they took 13 years to bring charges. And remarking on the incident, the judge said, quote, well, the damage was juniper trees and sagebrush, and there might have been $100 in damages, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't affect the guidelines, and I'm not sure how much sagebrush $100 worth is, but I think Mother Nature is probably taking care of any injury, end quote. The Tri-State Livestock News quotes Susan Hammond, saying, quote, we usually called the interagency fire outfit a main dispatch to be sure someone wasn't in the way or that the weather wouldn't be a problem, end quote, Susan said. Her son Stephen was told that the BLM was conducting a burn of their own somewhere in the region the same day and that they believed there would be no problem with the Hammonds going ahead with their planned fire. The court transcript includes a recording of that phone conversation. Court testimony from a prosecution witness, a range conser conservationist, elicited the statement that the burn, quote, had improved the conditions on the BLM property, end quote. Environmentalists had put pressure on the BLM to cease controlled burns and the conditions on the range had deteriorated so that not only did the juniper invasion increase, but fires that did break out due to lightning or other factories burned much hotter, sterilizing the soil and leading to a profusion of weeds. When the problem became all too apparent, the BLM started a program of controlled burns. And according to Eric Malpin, a former BLM's watershed specialist and range technician, due to the intermingling of public and private lands, collaborative burns are much more effective as opposed to trying to follow property lines. This is precisely what the first fire was all about. Not arson, but rational land management. The second fire... Dwight and Stephen Hamilton were charged with starting occurred in 2006. It happened during a lightning storm. And according to Susan Hammond, the reason was to protect their home and property. Quote, there was fire all around them and was going to burn our house and all of our trees and everything. The opportunity to set a backfire was there and it was very successful. It saved a bunch of land from burning, end quote. But... According to the feds, a grand total of one acre of federal land was affected, although how this could
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.